art is good. Wait a minute. No, it's not. We bought a Jake. <laughs> a Jalila Hilahoos. We Jill in the hall. Yeah. 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 Wow. Ketchup is good on certain items. I'm not allowed to work with with this movie, <laughs> song-wise. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to We Bought a Mike. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And Drew Dietzen. And either someone just like stumbled in here or we have a first time guest. Should I not? No, no, no. Don't talk. Don't talk. <laughs> no, I'm just I don't know. It depends. What's your take on Coheed and Cambria? Oh, no. I mean, I would say it, it's like a question of whether or not it's the greatest. Okay, so that's right, so now we know. In, yeah, you're now in. we know you have to leave. <laughs> um, okay, let's. Yeah. It's Mr. Greg Noonan. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome, Greg. Good to be here. It's a fucking <laughs> honor. Yeah, long time, first time, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, Velvet Buzzsaw this week, the new Dan Gilroy, Jake Gyllenhaal vehicle. Uh, before we get into that, though, we've been doing all these best of episodes, uh, and we haven't gotten to just do our classic, unorganized, just shit show where we just talk about things we've been our, watching like, for way form, too long. I mean, people compare our podcast to like freeform jazz. You never really know which direction it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all you've that's been saying. That's what you've been just <laughs> spreading around the news. You're like, hey, we bought a mic as like freeform jazz, and people are like, what? Yeah. They're like, okay, <laughs> well, run away. we need to brand ourselves <laughs> Meaning, as yeah. the, the, uh, the J.K. Simmons yeah. of... Wow podcast we're we're freeform jazz in that almost no one listens to us <laughs> um <laughs> but, but ryan gosling is trying to save us um but yeah before we get into the catch-up corner we have a couple of news items right yeah Ernie? so first off i'm insanely excited for this uh eric andre has been mia for about two years i mean he's been all over social media like vacationing and shit but he, his show has just been on hiatus uh Turns out the whole fucking time he was making a prank movie, dude. Yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna be called Bad Trip. And it's him and Lil Rel Howery from Get Out Fame. Oh wow. Dude, I am so excited for this movie. I know a lot of people aren't into the general vibe of what Eric Andre does. I'm a massive fan of I mean, his this, show. This feels like the natural progression um, for his career. So do we yeah. think it's gonna have kind of like a jackass vibe to it? Like in the whole thing of him just kind of getting out in public and doing yeah, weird I mean, stuff to make people uncomfortable. I'm sure it'll be yeah, it'll be I'm sure it'll be a lot like his show, but a little more cohesive basically. Like without the talk show part, like his remote bits. Eric Andre's um, Borat. <laughs> basically yeah because that's i mean his show is eric andre's borat that's yeah um and yeah this what if I, he just calls it borat <laughs> he like just all in yeah borat the movie starring eric andre uh i'm i'm insanely excited for this i wonder if it's gonna if it's produced by absolutely or not because they haven't really done movies except for tim and eric's billion dollar movie that's yeah, yeah i guess that's the only um, thing but yeah, I I mean I see no reason to have trepidations with this movie. I think it's gonna. It be stars. Amazing. Yeah, it stars the. Um, well, I don't even know if I should say stars because we don't know what exactly this is gonna be. It's it's gonna be some sort of nonfiction thing. They're not. It's not dramatized in any way. Well, yeah, it's it's a prank. I mean, it's assume. I'm assuming there's gonna be some sort of overarching thing like a Borat, where like he's a he's a character and there is a plot. But yeah, there will really be some kind of a not, narrative arc that's that's really not what it's about. There. Yeah, but it also I'd be happy if it were more like a jackass, where it's just 
clip to clip, like no connection whatsoever. Because I personally am a and must staunch defender of the jackass movies i know they're oh, wow they're obvi- yeah. like obviously they're stupid and that's absolutely the point and they're stupid in a really good way and if you don't like watching just a bunch of guys having fun then you might be not me <laughs> <laughs> you might be steve-o yeah i didn't i don't know uh, any last thoughts on this you guys excited uh, i'm excited for it it's coming I'm out curious in- i don't i don't know if this is august work. is that when it's coming out uh, I'm looking it's, at it's October. October. My okay. question is overtly political or or pointedly non. <laughs> Good point. Because uh, he does get a little political sure, in his show, yeah. definitely. But he's very just kind of like full on nihilist. Yeah. Like burn it all down. Yeah. Oh, like anarchist. Well, much, it's so. a great time in the world for that brand. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. N- never been a better time, really. No. Uh, I think. Well, the movie's called Bad Trip, so it might have the through line of creating a like a bad trip experience for passerby because he's done that especially in like season three of eric andre's show he did the thing where he would be the octopus and just like walk up to people with like little people as the limbs of the octopus and just be like whoa 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 and it would be shot like psychedelic you know like well so I, you- I think if that if we get two hours of that i will watch it like 20 times because that's so funny I, I don't know if you just mentioned this i think i missed it but did, did did you mention that it is being produced by the same guy as Jackass? No. Yeah, no. so that I just read. Yeah. Wait, who? Jeff Tremaine? Uh, Jeff Tremaine no is way. a producer wow. on oh, the movie. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my okay. God. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. I just pulled Jeff Tremaine's name out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Great. Okay, so that's uh, Eric Andre's new movie, Bad Trip, co-starring Lil Ray Howery. Uh, should be good. Let's move on to Batfleck. R.I.P. Batfleck. It's I official. Mean, he's he's out. It's been like long rest, long really. rumored. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you guys know I'm the resident degenerate gambler of the podcast. Yeah, and right. there oh, are you already the there are already odds out on who's going to be the next Batman. I can tell you who it should be. Who is, is it? I Ernest Calderon turned me onto this. Lee, Lee Pace of Halt and Catch Fire fame. That's is probably I, my favorite. The Batman choice. we need. Lee Pace actually yeah. is not on the list. The of favorite. He's not. Is Army Hammer at seven to two uh, odds? What? Boring. He's he's good. But. Okay, but okay. So I'm gonna throw out a couple of my names. We did, of course, a recast of the Dark Knight. Yeah, let's which you can go I back remind. And to. Let's remind the listeners what we had. I had Ryan Gosling. I have a name that I I you, think you had Leo and the recast. Yeah, as Batman. Leo. Yeah, we like, did a whole Dark good Knight Bruce recast Wayne. He's episode. a good Bruce Wayne. He, I would like to. I just want to see him gain thirty pounds what of muscle. Was, what if was I'm yours? being honest, <laughs> mine was a cross-up uh, tie between Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman, Ooh. both of whom are on my list. Jake Gyllenhaal has uh, what we in the biz call pussy voice, though. Oh no, and that I, might. I think he could do. I, is that what is that what you call it in the business? What yeah. business? Is he just that? he does his. If you Jake heard, Gyllenhaal, <laughs> yeah, that type of deal. Uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. Oh yeah, Idris yeah, Elba yeah. is also they, on this list because he's he's on the list for Bond. It's a very similar list, yeah. but the guy he he, is a little old though. Somebody, yeah, at this point, I guess. But I mean, that doesn't mean we couldn't see like a very old. Yeah, what result. gets in no, the way? They, they did say. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a young Batman, a young guy. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to read off some of these. Army Hammer is the favorite at seven to two. Jake Gyllenhaal is number two at eleven to two odds. Nonsense. Basically five and a half to one. Um, John Hamm, which I do not <laughs> see whatsoever. John Hamm's in his four. Um, 
Also, but this one nah. at eight to one odds, pretty good. Michael B. Jordan. Yes, a hundred percent. I could see it. I saw that take on the Reddit's. I'm here for that. Um, yeah, I could definitely see my that. favorite because there's a few odds on here. They're like hundred to one odds. <laughs> Some of them are just funny, like silly and Murphy. <laughs> just silly and Murphy. No, Buscemi. Buscemi could man. Do it. I'm the Batman. <laughs> Yeah, if you're gonna have a problem problem with Jake Gyllenhaal's voice, then I think Buscemi. What if no? It's Buscemi, and they uh, the criminal just sees his eyes through the mask, and they're like, "Oh, you're Steve Buscemi." (laughs) It's a reverse cowl. Like instead of the chin being exposed, it's just from his eyes up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Hugh Jackman's at a hundred to one odds. Also, there's odds on Henry Cavill playing Batman. Wouldn't oh, that be a bold choice? How could you how could okay. you imagine that? With Henry me. Cavill's incredible acting skills, him playing both Batman and Superman Yo. at um, the same let's, time. Let's let's put him on for Gordon and Harvey Dent. Let's do it. And the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Gary Oldman. <laughs> Come on. Um, I I got one that would be hilarious. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Hmm. Oh no! I would not trust that Batman. <laughs> exactly, at all. it would be a Batman that you just fucking hate. Because there's always a subtext of you being like, you know, I don't really like Batman. But this is like, <laughs> what if we just lean into that and cast like him or like fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, or like, man, well, or he's like dead. it's gonna be tough to get him. Uh, it, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Michael Shannon. My- <laughs> <laughs> what about here's a, here's a couple curveballs. What about Daniel Kaluuya? Oh. No, I prefer Michael B. Jordan has the more athletic build, and he's Mahershala a little bit Ali. Nah. No, again, if we're going with the younger actor thing, like okay. I feel like if because they strained it down to being that like him being younger, something. yeah, that kind of that nullifies a lot of the. Uh, um, do we think they're Jackman going- hype? Even Leo, um, I saw Idris Elba. That's what about, he'd be too old for. What about it. Dan Stevens? Oh, I would like that. I don't even know who that is. I'm that a is, huge Dan Stevens he's, uh, fan. He's the star of this show called Legion. You, you might know him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, might know him from looking like a generic, attractive white dude. Uh, fame. Okay. Also, <laughs> he is the Beast in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yes. Oh, don't yes. forget that. Okay, all right. Um, um, one other name I saw floating around was Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ooh. Yeah. What could be Anya Taylor-Joy? No, this is the guy who plays Kickass. Kickass. And that oh, movie wow. where two girls or no, two guys are like boning one girl, but she's in control. Do you remember that? It was like a, <laughs> what? It was like a That's heist. porn. <laughs> oh, you're right. My, my bad. No, it was like a heist movie. They were like they were like bohemian youngsters and then huh. somebody deals cocaine to the wrong cartel member. I don't remember oh, that one. It, was, I don't know it looked that. real bad. I never saw it. Yeah, it does, it does sound But, but he bad. was in that. And he, he was in the uh, Godzilla remake. He was um, in the Godzilla hey remake. Hey, guys, yeah. you guys are being really offensive here, and I'll tell you why. Because you haven't brought up Millie Bobby Brown. As Batman? As Batman. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm Batman. All right. Come She's on. young. Yeah, why not? She'd be better than Army Hammer, and I'll stand by that. I'll, I'll I'm surprised that he's the you. favorite. That's odd to me. Even Jake Gyllenhaal, I wonder how that contract would work, because now he's in the Marvel canon. Right, well, yeah, that's so, uh, that excludes virtually anyone with star power. I have, a, I have another good idea. Uh, Venom plays Batman. V- not Tom Hardy. No, Tom, Tom Hardy. Venom. Yeah, Ven- yeah there's right. all, it's just all CG. It's, it's just not. the symbiote. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I think 
the the chances of them casting an unknown are Zero. pretty yeah pretty low like yeah. when they announce the casting it's gonna be someone that we recognize because they're desperate it's mark hamill <laughs> yeah oh yeah here, here's this one who i know that we talked about during the recast who's pretty high up on the odds nine to one odds john krasinski oh no I don't know. He's buff now. He's he's Jack now. Think I about know. Quiet Place John Krasinski through yeah. gritted teeth. Uh, not in my city. Just Batman doing <laughs> sign language. <laughs> oh, a deaf Batman. A deaf Batman. I'd just be like, shut up, Jim. He just know. uses echolocation he, to um, get around. Every few seconds, after after he like he goes, uh, not on my watch, and then he looks directly at the camera. He does, he does, the, he <laughs> yeah. does the Batman face. He does have a great voice. Face. <laughs> I'll give him that. He has an amazing so, voice. So later on, we're, we're going to talk about our boy Jake Gyllenhaal and how great of a career he's had. I have so many thoughts and about if he gets And if he gets cast as Batman. That's the end of that career. Yeah, he wouldn't be, you know, he's already dipping his toes into that field by playing Mysterio in the new uh, Spider-Man movie. And I I would just rather have someone like Army Hammer who, you know, doesn't have this long storied filmography of great roles. Uh, yeah, put him as Batman. Fuck yeah, it. I mean, you know, even whatever. when Christian Bale kind of took over the reins, I mean, Christian Bale, he still did American Psycho. He did plenty of other things, but he wasn't the biggest movie star in the world like yeah. he's starting to become now. Mm-hmm. So before we move on from this, I kind of want to hear you guys' thoughts on like what you want this movie to be. Like, what's your quick pitch for the story for, well, for new Batman? It's Matt Reeves. So just give me Planet of the Apes except with Batman. That's that's what I want. I want something that Wait, is grizzled <laughs> and dramatic, and there's apes flying around, and it all takes place in the jungle. <laughs> there's nothing to explain. <laughs> it's immediately obvious how that movie. No, was. but I mean, even, we didn't even bring is, up Andy Serkis. Either. The thing <laughs> is, <laughs> it's just all motion capture, Batman. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the thing is with uh, Planet of the Apes movies is that so much of those movies derive from extremely well done visual storytelling Mm -hmm. and that's Mm. what makes me excited for the batman that's a good point that's That's a really good it's almost like gotham is a character in the story (laughs) thank you so much alan moore (laughs) this is the type of analysis you get on we bought a mic it's it's shit you never heard gotham is important (laughs) greg what do you what do you want to see in the batman so i've seen a lot of i so other than uh my undying wish that lee pace play batman which will never happen uh i'm a big fan of the michael b jordan is batman beyond I, I think Ooh, we've okay. seen virtually every possible iteration. We've done the killing joke like 46 times. Uh, we get it. Uh, he, it's kind of his fault that everything's bad. Let's go <laughs> into the future and see like what the, the heir to Batman has to do. I with. would be so into that. That's Especially in the aftermath of Into the Spider-Verse, yeah, which was 100%. one of the best movies of the year. Ape and that. we got to see uh, the this new take on Spider-Man. I mean, not new take because Miles Morales has been around the comics, but new to the screen seeing that kind of version of a black Batman, I think would be really cool. Mm -hmm. And narratively like Boulder, you know, like not just like Peter Parker. He's an everyday guy. And now he's a spider. If he, if DC really wants people to come out and see this movie and it make a billion dollars, that seems like the smartest move. Michael B. Jordan is one of the hottest actors out there right now. Literally and metaphorically. Yes. God, God, he's a fucking hunk. (laughs) Yeah. He's fucking ripped. 20, <laughs> he doesn't have to put on any more muscle. He's no. ready to go. 2019 is the year of violent horniness on, on like Twitter. <laughs> it's the year of like Michael Jordan could stir up my insides. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like this, it, just watch out yeah, for that. Just hot rip trend. me open. Yeah. That, um, is that? Please don't make that your Twitter personality. Yeah. <laughs> True. No. Just go back to Max Keeble. Violent it's already been done. 2019. Any stand for anyone yeah. is saying I'm, that shit right I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of the the Spider Verse point and say go full on into the Bat Verse. Like give oh. us give us like. 10 villains like nightwing is in there yeah put in nightwing batgirl like just go full-on crazy wacko don't show us the origin story again, give us both course. alfreds the woke one and the old one Ooh. yeah yeah <laughs> uh because you know why not we haven't yeah. seen that version of, of batman yet the closest thing we had to it was batman and robin with like poison ivy and mr freeze and bane which really and that is the best batman movie we can all agree <laughs> yeah. yes well that okay. it was the best toy commercial for sure <laughs> absolutely oh i'd also so. I, I one more tag on to my pitch mr freeze should be the villain mm. okay arnold schwarzenegger or prices roll <laughs> correct <laughs> yeah, yeah bring him back. exactly that Sweet. villain and he it's all the same lines even if they don't fit into the rest <laughs> have of the you guys scene. heard the the horror stories of the set of that movie and how like really Schwarzenegger <laughs> was basically tortured because of the makeup that they put on him. His eyes were literally bleeding. Oh god! Yeah, because they it was like all these chemicals and yeah. Look wow. look look it up. It's it's That's a fun. doozy. Um, so catch up corner time, right? It's catch up corner time. Let's so fucking go. Dude. We are we are restructuring this segment a little bit to try to uh, condense the the time and the amount of of yeah. things that we can fit into the segment yeah so. in the future it's going to be a lot cleaner a lot shorter but right now buddy clear out about 45 minutes so for yeah this let's one comedy special <laughs> let's start out with my you, review Drew. is the length of the special <laughs> uh, <laughs> what have you been watching well uh, what's yeah, your catch-up corner so i in december pete holmes came out with a new special on hbo an hour long it's called dirty clean you saw it too correct? it's it's a great special this, hbo yeah so uh, pete holmes is obnoxious uh oh, he, wow. he's annoying if you don't like him totally fine with me uh, but he is here to stay, and that's because his stand-up is really, really solid. Like, structurally, joke-wise, it is just really... It's unique, and it's interesting, and it's fun. Um, crashing, I could live without. I'm probably honestly not going to watch any more Crashing. I'm kind of over it, his his HBO show. Actually, yeah. I've been keeping up with the new season. Oh, really? I'm really digging it. That's Because yeah. on people on Twitter are like really bothered because he fucks so much in it <laughs> yeah yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. come on Pete. and he wears a fedora yeah. oh, unironically wears a fedora well his character is like an annoying guy yeah well, which is I mean, he's playing he's himself playing yeah. Holmes. he actually is <laughs> a fedora is a physical hashtag for annoying yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i love this special for a lot of reasons um he puts a twist on a really old uh staple of stand-up comedy that people like bill burr do where they do a devil's advocate routine. Wow. They will state a point that you instinctively disagree with because it's like, oh, I hate my kids or whatever. <laughs> or just shit like that. And then you're like, oh, you can't. And you're, yeah, immediately you're like, come on, man. That, that's, you know. And then they make their case. And after about five minutes, you're like, holy shit, I hate my kids. Or at least you're like, you're. <laughs> You're there to hear the argument by the end of it. You're like, you know what? That was really funny. You defending your case like a lawyer is just instinctively, it's a hilarious thing because you're putting yourself at a lower power position and then you're like building your way back up to the trust of the audience. Hmm. Uh, what Pete does is what I'm going to call angel's advocate. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, and that honestly, Pete, if you're listening, that should be the name of your next hour. You're welcome. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, because he, the twist he puts on like Bill Burr or any of these older guys is he says something that is positive that you disagree with. And then he defends himself. And by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, I never thought about it that way. Uh, for example, in this special, he says, 
I like traffic. Every obviously, obviously, everyone in the audience is on the same page of like that's bullshit. You don't like traffic. He might not actually feel this way, but he's making a a fun lawyer case for why he likes traffic. And by the end of the five minute bit, you're like, oh my god, I might. He's like, just sit there. Where do you got to go? Yeah, he's he's talking about how (laughs) how like Waze ruins driving because people are like they show up with like white knuckles from all the shortcuts they took, and (laughs) it's it's this great little like road he takes you down. Um, and he does that a lot. That's his, kind of his whole persona. Is he's he's a positive guy, and he wants to like help you understand why he is positive when every other comedian is very negative most of the time. And it it works for him. You know, he describes himself as a lesbian Val Kilmer. Oh wow! So he uh, <laughs> yeah. he has this like very kind of punchable but lovable vibe to him. Yeah, his whole yeah his whole vibe is very it's it's annoying, but it's also by the end of the routine the. Like, if you can watch a special on TV and maybe not sink into it like an actual crowd does, but I guarantee if you saw him live, you would be in stitches because he is really, this is another thing I like about him. He's great at playing an audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd often talk about how I hate once a comedian reaches a certain size audience like Madison Square or whatever. No interaction. Yeah, there's the the whole vibe of like the bounce, the back and forth is just gone. Uh, he has he has like an auditorium here, but he ha- he's playing them like a fucking fiddle. He huh. he the the timing. Yeah, well the it's the final the final sort of bit that kind of closes out the special is something that I don't think I've ever seen before. Where he like he taps into this this thing where it's like it all starts with like picture an orange. So he tells everyone to like just picture an orange. Did you see it? Did you see it pop up in front of you? Just this big orange. Yeah, and, then and like he like, takes that like, and like unpacks it and like runs with it. Yeah, he's like, what? What happened there? How did that happen? Like, <laughs> he just because if you listen to his podcast, which again is you know too long, but I I liked it uh, a lot back in the day. He has so many different interests. Like he's into like deep into psychology and like he's like a spiritualist. He meditates. He's into all wow. this like hippy dippy trippy shit. Uh, a lot of CBD oil and, nowadays. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and which can be really annoying when he talks about it like earnestly on yeah. his podcast. But when he's doing stand up about it, he's winning you over because huh. uh, he's not trying to convince you of anything like obscene. It's just really, it's fascinating it's what good he does. Stand-up. He's this is why like I I can forgive his show being annoying and his podcast being kind of annoying. His stand up is like no other person's stand up. He's truly gifted at what he does. Um, Great. Yeah. So that's Dirty Clean on HBO. Also, check out Crashing. It's it's not the best show, but yeah. it's I am digging the new season. It is it's it's improving. It's like I said, it's a show that really doesn't need to exist. No matter how good it is, it's just so unnecessary at this point. Like, yeah, um, the new season's pretty. It's happy. It's like yeah. it's like you're kind of wondering like is something gonna, about to go horribly go wrong, wrong? Yeah. <laughs> when Artie Lang yeah. dies in real life? Yeah, fuck. That's when something will go. Did, did you want <laughs> you had a, another quick something right? Uh, so did you guys see on Netflix now we have Conan Without Borders? I haven't actually watched that yet. Guys, I didn't even know, yeah. This is another, this is a really big deal for me. Is is this separate from his show? Well. So he's still doing the so, show, Well, right? first of all, his show has reduced down to it's a, a 30 minute. It's a 30 minute format four days a week now. Oh, wow. Jeez. And he's, and it's, you know, he's making it smaller because that's what's selling now is like genuine conversations. He's not wearing a suit anymore. The artifice is leaving because that's how it should be. Like all the, you know, the 
Jimmy Fallon's of the world are losing their ratings pretty quick. But isn't right. that just because Jimmy Fallon's the worst? <laughs> well, yeah, you can still do it well, definitely. But he's on TBS, right? And very funny. Nobody watches TBS for its well, late night. Well, <laughs> yeah, and Conan also just started an Earwolf podcast where he just oh. genuinely talks to people, and he is so good at it that he's like, are ever, so basically he's like, what do people like about my show? Well, on YouTube. They only like the remote bits. Those get so many millions of views. The bits where he's in the wild, just being an absolute freak of nature, genius comedy guy, coming up with jokes like like I've never seen before. That's what people like. People don't like his monologue. People don't like his fake interviews. People don't watch those. So he's just kind of like stripping down. This is kind of a byproduct of that. Uh, the last two years, he's done a lot of traveling for his TBS show. He's gone to different countries and done kind of like a comedy style of like an Anthony Bourdain show where he's genuinely learning about these cultures and talking to people. But also he is just being fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, so this is those like this. These have already aired on TBS, but they edited them down into its own little show and they put it on Netflix, which I think is great for Conan because tbs is uh so not, they're not producing things specifically for netflix uh no i don't think so not yet i don't but it could they could oh well he might he might do a special or something netflix is really struggling with those uh like they had the chelsea handler show and then they had uh, yeah the the what's it hassan uh hassan minaj yeah that one's still on but it seems like all of those it's a weird format man if it's not temporal yeah it's it is i don't want to binge watch a night yeah. Exactly. They've been having a rough go of it. And Michelle Wolf also had one canceled. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Really quickly. Because it, yeah, you're right. It's it's like, well, this the format of late night is like for that night only yeah. unless you're doing what Conan does and like his bits are like eternal. Did you guys YouTube, watch though. the Joe McHale show that they had on? Yeah, I did. That I tried was, to. Oh my god! It wow. was just also like Netflix trying to do that whole weekly the thing. The soup. And it, just it was literally. It the was soup. yeah. It was the soup. I don't know yeah. how they got those rights, but like they just did the soup. Yeah. But anyway, uh, these are incredible. It's like I don't know how many episodes it is, but he goes to like Cuba. He goes to Haiti. Uh, th- like right after Trump said uh, talked a bunch of shit about Haiti, he goes there. Oh, cool. And he talks to the people, and he's genuine. Uh, they don't like him when they when he gets there because they're like, why would we trust you? We don't know who you are. He, he has a crowd, like an angry mob around him, and he gives a speech in Haitian Creole. And by the end of it, they're like laughing and cheering Whoa. for him. <laughs> it's so powerful. Damn. Like That's it's nuts. Conan. I think is the most underappreciated comedian of maybe like our generation. Yeah, He's- everybody, nobody like really talks about Conan just because I feel like part of it is. Like, the older demographic that just remember is the guy who got shifted for... Yeah, he got fucked. Leno. He did. He got totally screwed by Leno. But he is unbelievably funny. His his entire persona is, like, portable. Like, he can go anywhere and be funny around people who aren't... Different cultures. uh, Yeah, people with varying levels of English understanding, uh, people with varying levels of liking him or not liking him, like children, adults. Maybe they don't understand what he's saying. He he just looks funny. (laughs) So I'm here in 2020 presidential run. Yes. Yeah, that's what (laughs) I'm getting at. But he, it's just, it really, it's more impressive than any late night show. The ability to create comedy in any scenario, like in the most uncomfortable scenario possible, which is being in like a hostile country that doesn't like you, he's able to create comedy. It's truly, he's a visionary. He's a genius. Um, and he has been wasted for like the past decade or so. So I'm so glad he has this now. He goes to Israel. Uh, and I was like, is he really going to go to Israel and not talk about like anything going on there? And then the whole end of the episode, he goes to Palestine. Whoa. He goes to like, yeah, like a dangerous zone of Palestine. He talks to children on the street in Palestine. He makes and, amazing. He, and he still makes jokes. He's still funny. 
It's truly wow. It's unbelievable. So it's called Conan Without Borders. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It is. Yeah, it's seriously. I'm so happy for him that he's on Netflix because like not enough. I mean, his YouTube channel is popping off always. Right. For example, yeah, I mean like the famous Jordan Slansky videos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, where yeah. he just fucks with one of his uh, employees. He took that guy to Italy for one of these episodes, and they just vacation together in Italy, and they actually like have a good time, and it's 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 so great, man. Nice. I I love Conan. All right, Hunter, let's hear what you've been watching, catching up. Okay, so catch, catch up corner. I'm gonna try and uh, fly through these because I have several things I wanted to talk about. But um, first of all, I want to talk about Cold War. Has anybody else had a chance to yeah, see? Yeah, I this? saw it. I saw it. Okay. So I've been trying to uh, stay good on my word and watch every single thing that's nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, I now finished up Cold War was the last one of the directors to see. And uh, this movie is great. Like yeah. this movie is it's truly gorgeous. Like you watch this and there's no question in my mind that Powell uh, Palakowski um, totally deserved the nomination that he was given because at first whenever it popped up. I mean, nobody was really talking about him for best director, and so it was kind of shocking. Like, oh, well, it's black and white, it's in four by three. How great is the? I mean, it just it seems like just you know another it's foreign, another foreign movie subtitles. That, but this movie is beautiful. I just wanted to um, one thing: how this movie uh, goes into four by three in the very beginning is the most genius thing that I've ever seen in my life. It starts out. With the big wide Amazon Studios logo, and then it looks like curtain, like a silhouette of curtains closing, and you see the close on this four by three aspect ratio. Wait a second, that are you sure that was the projection? I just figured that was our theater closing. Actual no, that's curtains. that's actually no, no, no. That's actually how they. Oh, how he shit. shot that and i don't I was know like enzian damn you're closing the curtains it, it literally looks like <laughs> it real looks curtains. like real curtains <laughs> are closing oh, wow. on it but it's just this projection that makes that it makes this silhouette of curtains closing on it and it feels so classical like this doesn't feel like a 2018 movie this feels like a movie that could have been made 40 years ago oh, except wow. with the beauty that comes with digital filmmaking now and how crisp everything looks um Summation of the story, it's pretty much just about uh, this woman who kind of, uh, in Polish uh, well, World War couple. II times, yeah, yeah, but this woman uh, goes to this pretty much an orphanage and kind of has to show her abilities uh, through artistry, through music, uh, to not just be another uh, Polish person being oppressed in uh, this whole thing, and kind of wins over the uh, conductor of this school. And they kind of fall in love with each other. It's it's a love story. I mean, it follows among two decades, 15 yeah. years or so, uh, their story together. And it's really genuinely powerful. There, there's some all-time, like, beautiful cinematography yeah. in this movie. Like, some shots that are just, like, jaw-dropping. Like, just take-your-breath-away yeah. shots. That I, It's one of the most beautiful things of the year. It really kind of reminded me a lot of Roma. In that aspect, where it's just kind of well, it's, it's that personal things. story too, because yeah. it's based on uh, Pawlikowski's parents. It's it's another thing, just like Roma, where it's the most dramatic aspects are this personal struggle kind of taking place in the background of all this intense war and violence happening all around them. Because yeah. this is taking place during uh, World War Two and during uh, what's well, right after World War Two? Yeah, II. Stalin occupying yeah. of uh, Polish mm-hmm. of Poland. Yeah, one one thing that I really really loved about this film is the fact that like it jumps through time very kind of sporadically. Like you don't know when 
it, if the scene that you're watching is going to end and you're going to jump forward like two or three years, like when it cuts to black, you don't know how much pa- time is going to pass until the next shot starts. And like that creates this this effect where like you're only seeing these very small slivers of this relationship mm. and you have to kind of fill in the gaps mm. all in between of what you're seeing. And, you know, it, it, there is this this feeling that you want to have of like, man, I'm, I'm missing out on like a bunch of good stuff, you know, like any other movie would spend like 45 minutes on something that you don't even see because you're just meant to kind of imagine what that was like because you're only getting this small moment. And I think that was very, very bold of Powell Kautsky to do that because this movie ends up being just just under an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, it could have been longer, but he, he chose to keep it like right at that minimum feature length uh, and give us something that is like sprawling yet brief. Well, I mean, this movie also gave me a lot of vibes to Boyhood and just that it almost feels like memori- memories passing by where you can be uh, getting up in age and you can try and think back on your life and it's just you remember these split second moments as opposed to these long drawn out things and I think that this movie actually does it better than Boyhood because one Boyhood is like three hours long that movie is unnecessarily long Um, but I, I think that this kind of captures that feeling even better of just kind of memories passing by and it almost you want to you share the same feeling from the filmmaker's perspective where you want to see more of these times together but you can't you can only recall certain split second moments all right that's cold war it's actually coming to amazon prime soon yeah, it's at, uh, if you live in Orlando, it's, it's at Amazon the NZN right now. Um, okay. I recommend seeing this in theaters. Oh, yeah. It's because gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous yeah. to watch this on a huge projector and everything else. But, yeah, it will be made made in widely March. available soon. Yeah, I think March. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, quickly, I saw Wizard of Oz 80th anniversary re-release oh. in theaters. Oh, in theaters? In theaters, I didn't yeah. even know this was happening. Yeah, it, it came out for NPR. two days, two, three days in theaters. I think that's already over with, but... This movie is a ma- like it's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's, I, there's no debating. It, I think like, it might be. I, I just like I don't know. I got a blur box afterwards, something. and there were some people who were like, "Yeah, it gets like three stars," and I'm like, "Are you out of your goddamn mind? What's wrong with you?" Yeah, Bro, Citizen Kane, trash. Um, one thing that was really cool Whoa. was um, I don't remember his name, but the uh, grandson of the person who wrote Wizard of Oz, who wrote the screenplay for Wizard of Oz, uh, is now kind of one of the head people at Turner Classic Movies, and he does this whole little. Uh, dialogue after the movie ends about all the troubles that went into making this movie because you think they made this movie in 1939 it, it, it was like the whole thing was like traumatic and bad yeah and uh, i mean originally jack haley who plays the tin man was actually the second person to come in and play that yeah. role originally it was played by buddy ebsen who had a nearly fatal um like disaster happened to him where because this is way back in the day and technology wasn't what it was they had to paint him with actual aluminum oh, paint no. yeah, and yeah. he had horrible aluminum poisoning it and almost lungs. killed him yeah the movie um, industry back then was absolutely insane like i'm i'm in a uh, really we're covering like super old movies in this class i'm in right now and like the interviews with the women particularly yeah. are disgusting like, oh yeah the oh, witch I mean, too oh had God. a bunch of trouble yeah, with her. Yeah, Margaret Hamilton uh, in the very first uh, in on the <laughs> yellow brick road when she does the explosion. Um, 
there's like you know the puff of smoke and she falls through a trap door apparently like it actually like exploded on her and she had to be hospitalized yeah, she caught on fire yeah, yeah she actually caught on fire have you guys have you guys heard the conspiracy that there's like a background artist who hung himself in there, this movie yes, yeah but that is a that's a verifiable n- yeah, yeah it's just bullshit yeah. I've seen the frames. It doesn't hold. It doesn't up. even okay. look like it. It's like not even close. So shut up, Ernest. I, <laughs> Max Keeble Ernest, did it <laughs> over here with his tin hat on. Ernie's drinking my tea. Um, um, no, but, but uh, speaking of the background art, I wanted to say one thing that really stood out to me watching this on a huge theater is this is the best background and set design work 100%. like arguably ever. Like you look back and. It's kind of funny now to look back on it and just know, okay, this is all a set. You can kind of see the seams and everything. But if you just look at the background, it looks like these hills of the Land yeah. of Oz just roll on forever. Well, yeah. It's all painted. And also, it's all hand And also, watch another movie from 80 years ago. Yeah. It, it looks a lot worse. <laughs> like, um, well, yeah, they're so good that there's like a long, indulgent shot of how good the Emerald City map painting is. It's yeah. just like, just hold on that for like a yeah, good 30 like, seconds. Look at this shit, and bro. you guys see like, that? Wow, this is amazing. Um, this I, I want to. Sh- uh, can I shout out really quick to Judy Garland? Uh, <laughs> oh, she's a big fan. Big, big rip. She got fucked by Hollywood, just like most women did back then. She was amazing. Like, yeah, she's so. Oh, I mean, yeah. she she's so good. And then she had a show, and they worked her to death, and she went crazy, and she OD'd. She was Marilyn Monroe <laughs> before Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Mm. I mean, she mm. like just this kind of person who can kind of do it all, movie star. Yeah, she was that. Um. Another thing I just wanted to say, I mean, this movie has, I think, the greatest shot in cinematic history. Oh, wow. Right here. The shot where we have Dorothy in the very beginning going up in the tornado, and you have this sepia-colored room, and she opens up the door, and the camera enters in, and it's really taking you as the audience into this new Technicolor world. I think yeah. that that shot is just so yeah. powerful. I, even thinking about it now, it gives me chills yeah. because it's just it's so perfect. I think uh, Sam Raimi and James Franco want to have a word with you about that. <laughs> Oz, remember the great that? and powerful. Yeah, they, it's Idiot. funny as Turner Classic. They talk about they're like there are many spinoffs, including uh, 2012's Oz, the great Oops. and powerful. Sam and it's Raimi. Like, oh, I thought that people we all forgot about. He like that. he like slips a twenty to Johnny Depp <laughs> off screen. So, uh, Sam Raimi hasn't made a film since then. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, he just so. uh, he was just like nah, I'm gonna stick with TV. That's yeah, that's um, pretty rough. Okay. Speaking of beautiful romantic stories like Cold War, we've been watching a lot of modern stuff, so I was trying to just kind of watch a bunch of more older classics, and I just finished watching the Before Trilogy. I am holding oh, it in my man. hands right the now. Beautiful the beautiful criterion. criterion. The criterion. Oh. Um, I, Drew, I know you have not seen these movies yet, oh, so no. I won't really talk about spoilers. Not like there's really much to spoil no. about these movies. Yeah, I know, I know the, a bummer. I know the gist. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just... Like it's so perfect because nothing about there are Jesse... a couple of things that would I would consider. Yeah, a I mean, I won't like, actually get into too much about, it, but nothing about Jesse or Celine are spectacular. In is any way. Ethan Hawke a hunk and a half? Yes, he, uh, there is the thing. Yeah. He, he does turn into a lizard at the end of the third one. <laughs> Damn it! Goes on a rampage, yeah. oh, and I guess I shouldn't say that. But it's well, a, it's a sequel to the, Oz the Great and Powerful. Right? This, <laughs> the second film before Sunset famously ends on this cliffhanger that was not resolved until nine years later in 2013. So it's like that just... Every movie is nine years apart. It it can be done, M. Night. (laughs) Oh, no, boy! Boom! Okay. So, um... Jesse and Celine, I think, are just two perfect... Like, this is... All of these movies have perfect screenplays. Before Sunset, 
is probably the best like screenplay that I've ever watched in my life. Like everything about that movie is just so perfectly done. The way that you can draw character arcs from just dialogue back and forth and none of it is expository in any way. It's just two people having a conversation and it feels so organic and mm. natural. It's rare. Well, it the thing is it is expository, but it's just so well hidden by amazing dialogue yeah but it'll like you go learn, from them you learn like where their lives have been going yeah the, uh, well but, but it's, it's all it's, it's all through discussion about like god and purpose and like your kind of view on life and everything else like that like there's it's nothing, exposition it's, done how it should be yeah. where you don't notice it i think link later has the highest emotional intelligence of any male screenwriter period well the thing is is that in the first film he actually had a writing partner um, I forget her name, but she didn't work on the other two films. Huh. And then in the other two, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy actually have writing credit because, because they they basically helped write their own characters. Well, yeah, I mean, this they spent so much time in Before Sunrise, like really kind of nailing who these characters are that it got to the point where they could just walk and talk with each other and know exactly what these two characters would Kim, be talking about. That Kim Krizan, it was her oh, name. Yeah. But the thing is, is like it comes off as improvised. It feels improvised, yep. but it's heavily heavily scripted yeah well i mean it's just because it happens in these such these long drawn out takes in which so i just beautiful. don't even know how link later did this or they'll just be walking around and just have this unbroken take for like seven eight minutes at a time of them just walking just talking back and forth and it's just this camera it's just kind of right in front of them the whole time just slowly yeah the, backing the up shot in the car and before midnight mm. at the beginning that's got to be over 10 minutes mm -hmm. without cutting. It's it's just it's unbelievable like this movie. Also, I kind of uh I came to the realization that shooting any movie in Europe is just like a trump card. Yeah. <laughs> just because at any point you can just like flash to the side and be like, "Oh, look at these ruins that are over 2000 years old." <laughs> or look at this beautiful countryside. Like yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> It totally is. It's just like, look at this. Like, and then you don't guy, even have to try. And then that guy wrote a movie in America, and I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> if In Bruges is in America, it would be bad. In America, the movie. Um, All yeah, right, so that's the Before Trilogy. Yeah, I got to watch them. Listen, I know. Uh, well, you got, them, you got them now. You well, can borrow them. Truly, my, my favorite thing in a movie is when the dialogue is natural and seamless. That's because if you've ever tried to write, uh, something for film that is so hard because there has to be a plot as mm -hmm. well. Well, it, Richard Linklater's gotcha. He is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a god. His whole career, he's so great. And he has, I mean, a, he it, has a new movie coming out this year. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it doesn't look great, but I'm they sure never yeah, do. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, they, you're well, right. They never do. Also made Last Flag Flying last year. I still haven't seen last that. Didn't get um, great reviews. Um, one more thing I just wanted to say is that nothing about the dialogue. It's not Sorkian in the way where no. it's too where it's overly. Uh, like genius thought out, yeah. yeah. Where every character is a genius. There's nothing spectacular about these two characters. They're just two normal people, and they act and talk in the way that two normal people do. And you know, the, there's so much we could talk for ages about just the level of performance. Like their their acting is unreal. Yeah, Ethan Hawke is a god. yeah, he's a god. And, and this is Julie Delpy. Like yeah. nobody ever yeah, talks yeah. about like Julie yeah. Delpy. What work does Julie Delpy get? She, well, she she works in France, I'm sure. Oh, really? Yeah, but she, she just does, doesn't like, get stuff. a lot of American work, which is a shame because yeah. she. You can see through these three movies that she is special. She mm -hmm. has a true talent. Maybe we'll. I'm. Uh. Well, 
before midnight came out in 2013 so maybe might in see 2024 one. maybe 2022 um, it's a quadrilogy I don't know where it could go. But you we'll you know see. what I just realized looking at the DVD cover, the you know the Criterion <laughs> Blu-ray, um, is that we really missed out on a Sugar Ray biopic starring. What happened? What's this? Oh, this is. Uh, I'll tell you later. Oh, hey! Shouts out to uh, Lee for giving me a lumbar pillow <laughs> mid pod. Oh, nice. Yeah, my performance is already elevated. I can feel it. I know. So, we should have gotten a Sugar Ray biopic starring Ethan Hawke. He looks just like Mark McGrath. Mm. And obviously, everyone loves Sugar Ray. Did There's anybody no, want that? <laughs> Did anybody ask just for that? Kidding. It I could would just be the fall of Sugar Ray. No. Sugar Ray Robinson, the boxer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, so, that's are, the before are, are trilogy. We done, are we done catching up? Uh, Hunter one? has one quick thing. Um, quickly, I want to wait to save it until Ernest actually yeah, gets a chance this to will play. be a whole but, thing. But... Kingdom Hearts three guys, it no, actually dear, does Jesus exist, Christ. isn't it? But isn't it? It's not Kingdom Hearts three. It's like Kingdom Hearts one point seven eight. It's right here. It's in my the hand. It's, it's there. It's real. There is a disc inside <laughs> the disc box. Inside. I oh. haven't put it in. I don't know if it actually plays. Yet. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, okay. It just brainwashes you into just watching <laughs> Pixar movies, and oh, being like, great. ah, oh, Sora. Well, see, okay, the world was a different place when kingdom hearts 2 came out bush was still president good point and disney did not quite have the chokehold on mm. pop culture as they do and today. there were only 10 final fantasies exactly so yeah. <laughs> things are quite different now the hellscape has like found uh you know a whole new meaning in terms of the state of the world and society and King, uh, kingdom hearts 3 is just looped footage of the uh, attacks on 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jesus. I hope that I hope that you 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 fly into the 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 Kingdom Hearts in between the towers to fight Mickey Mouse, dark, dark Mouse. So Good Mouse is on your side, but then right. Dark Mouse is like the Heartless the, Mouse or the Nobody Mouse. Yeah, exactly. Oh. The, which represents corporate Disney, you know. Yeah, and so, it's like one head is Marvel, the other is Star Wars, and it's like this grotesque. Yeah, is the, that actually yeah, what happens? So in that you, game? I wish. Yeah, I hope. Talks, <laughs> like, oh my god! Well, so last time I'm going to mention this, but this is Disney property. They didn't put Max Keeble in it. Well, we don't know that. Oh, there really? might be a, a, an Easter yeah. egg. In I there. I can't spoil it for. Put yeah, okay. Oh, the, okay. The Max Keeble that had a big move. Yes. Yeah, yeah. dude. Right? I've been on my um, pedestal about this for months now. You gotta hear that's about that it. guy that wrote Save the Cat. That's the only movie he ever wrote. So wait, really? <laughs> yeah. No, no, he wrote Blank Check. Oh, you're right, Blank Check. Yeah, uh, Blank he Check, a masterpiece, <laughs> masterpiece. He fucking wishes. All right, Greg, let's Blake let's Snyder. get to let's get to what you wanna wanna talk about. So on I've been catch up corner. I've been trying to keep it current. I've been trying to watch the most bleeding edge stuff, uh, mm. and I'm glad you mentioned Sorkin. I've been watching The West Wing. Oh, nice, <laughs> classic, classic. Uh, it's great. You know, I, Sorkin is one of those guys. Uh, about every other time I watch anything that he wrote, I'm like this guy's the worst and then you watch a good episode and you're like oh my god this guy's he is good. yeah he can be mercurial yeah definitely fun fact about the west wing aaron sorkin at that time had a severe cocaine that's addiction, right and you can completely <laughs> tell by watching 100%. just any given i remember one time because i've never actually watched through the west wing but uh I don't remember, Ernest, if you were watching it or somebody was, but I came over to your place and it was on and just watching it and just watching these characters banter yeah. back and forth and everything. It's like, yeah, I Cocaine. can tell this guy did a lot of coke while he was writing the script. <laughs> yeah. Mark Marin just interviewed him on his podcast. Uh, shouts out to Mark. I know he's a big fan of you guys yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the inventor I, of We're the kind of, we're lukewarm on him. He likes us. We don't really like What's him. What's up? What the fuckers? <laughs> what the fuckaroos? That's good. That's a good one. My, my cats. Uh, uh, so, so what's your deal? What's up? Are, are we good? Sorkin was like, 
I just like the music of the way that people talk. And like, that's yeah. obviously what he would say, but you know, I, I appreciate where he's coming from. Cause I do like to hear smart people talk. And I think he, he also had the greatest political hot take in the history of the world, which I was like, ah, you know, tough, tough stance, but uh, he did write it seven seasons of a show about it. He was like, there's an <laughs> epidemic of dumbness. And he's like, I, I'm like obligated to write smart voices because there's nothing anymore. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, yeah. he's he's <laughs> a really interesting guy. I've sort of recently come around to his style because not everything has to be naturalistic. Like you said, like sometimes yeah. it's just fun to hear some absolutely bonkers smart dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, politically, you know, I don't agree with him. A lot of what he stands for recently, he that he had a controversy because he was like, you know, these newer young far left liberals should act like adults like who could he be talking about <laughs> yeah exactly and that. it's like you know you're aaron sorkin you can you can sit out for didn't now. you write a whole show about that and that why we care about you yeah because didn't you write a show about centrism <laughs> during the bush presidency which is uh, well the the opening scene to uh the newsroom is like but, jeff daniels just yelling at a, mil- a, a millennial for being right. a millennial that's right yeah <laughs> you I, don't understand the world That's you right. cheerleader say, well i mean yeah. he even talks about because he also was on uh i guess he's just doing the award circuit right now because he's promoting he made a broadway he, uh version of to, to kill, kill a mockingbird, mockingbird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um starring jeff daniels actually oh, very so cool. or jeff bridges never mind jeff yeah jeff different jeff. Jeff. jeff um oh, really? but, yeah anyways uh but he was on bill simmons podcast talking about it, and he was kind of talking about he's worried about young filmmakers and this actually i did agree i did agree with this point because he said you know growing up the best thing that ever happened to me was boredom and nowadays it's hard for anybody to actually be bored when you have this endless internet in front of you when you can always just hop on twitter or hop on instagram or whatever like it's hard for you to get bored because inspiration comes out of boredom Mm -hmm. yeah he's an he's an interesting guy in conversation uh he's he's very likable he's he's funny but then he comes out and he says some shit and i'm like just like shut the fuck up aaron sorkin (laughs) uh it it was jeff daniels by the way oh oh, okay um, um, so oh, I thought he was, I thought he was playing Boo Radley. <laughs> so that's the West Wing, Sorkin. Uh, I think it's it's on Netflix. You're watching it on Netflix, it's, Yeah, right? it's on Netflix. Did you want to talk about another uh, Netflix thing real quick? Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I've also been watching Halt and Catch Fire. We don't have to spend a lot of time. Hey, oh, that's our, our prize I do pod. Uh, it was one <laughs> of the, the reasons why we started. We're the only podcast standing for yeah. Halt and yeah. Catch Fire. So, it's yeah. so good. Leaf Pace is a revelation, just to come back around to that. But also... Scoot. Scoot, man. Scoot, Scoot McNary. McNary is one of the mm-hmm. best actors working today. Star of season three of True Detective. Yeah. What? Yeah, he's, Not star, but he's, but he's in it. He has a ma- it. He's a major player, yeah. Star of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> uh, Wheelchair bomber. Yeah. That's his big... That, he peaked there. Yeah. I'll tell you, the sh- I watched the show for Donna and John Bosworth. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, if Boz. Every oh, single Boz. Boz is, Boz, he's also masterclass, man. I, so Lauren had never seen it, uh, and we were watching back through it, and... Uh, and because I wanted to watch season four and she's like, well, I want to watch it. So we started watching it. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where the, the like the quirky kid in season three, the, the, the little coder genius dude. Yeah. Like is shitty to Boz. And and that dude's face, he's going from like, well, yeah, but dude. And he like <laughs> he he turned. He's like, you want to say that in my face? And it was mm-hmm. like, whoa. Are you talking about the, the guy that like that? Ryan uh, is the, the kid. Lee Pace has like a little bit his, of relationship. Yeah, with. yeah. His like acolyte. Yeah. yeah, no. They yeah. definitely banged. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, you're right though. Boz, he his character is so dynamic and amazing. You start off not loving him, and by the end, you yeah, are the, in yeah. love with Boz. Yeah. I mean, the show, uh, not not like the main cast, but well, Scoot and Boz are both actors who have do not have traditional good looks, so they don't That's get right. as much work as they should, uh, compared to what their talent level is. They're both just mm-hmm. so. 
amazing. Even in Halloween, Boz was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So real quick before we take a break, uh, speaking of Scoot and True Detective, I've been watching True Detective season three on HBO. It's great. Yeah, I, I've really only seen the first it. episode. I just watched it last night, the first episode, it's, but I'm excited to kind of yeah, catch up through it all. It's super strong. Mahershala Ali is amazing in it. it, it it's just it's a it's a murder mystery. It's like, a redemption from season two. Because well, yeah. I was never going to watch it show ever again. I well, was even <laughs> dicey on season one, to be honest. Really? Oh. Yeah. You weren't uh, Here, as into Rust Cole? No, I loved movie. Rust Cole. Here's my famous take on season one. I was like six episodes into it, and like his whole character at that point has just been talking into the camera, doing his like, sometimes <laughs> the universe floats around. And I was like, if this guy's in this room talking into a camera for one more scene, this is the worst show ever. <laughs> and like literally that next scene, he uh, gets up and leaves. And I was like, okay, all right, they got so, it. Uh, they got it. So uh, self-congratulatory, you would yeah. call it. Yeah. Just a little bit up its own butt. I, Matt, I, Matthew McConaughey should never be allowed to talk without <laughs> cutting for too long. He ruined the ending of, of Interstellar. He like, just <laughs> don't... <laughs> <laughs> Don't let Matthew McConaughey monologue for too long. Let him do it for a little bit. I like. Well, it's straight. also it's also Nick Pizzolatto. You know, it's his yeah. his writing, his who dialogue. Is, yeah, who's very big fan of I think that I think he's an example of a writer who thinks he's a little smarter than he is. Definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah or he but, thinks the audience is dumber. Or that. Than, or it could be that. It could very well I, I be like that. your take. I'm I'm here for it. Well, with with season three, it's Pizzolatto uh, not really trying to do something in, like too ambitious. I think that's where season two went wrong. Is he was trying to do this sprawling story about like real estate corruption <laughs> and like uh, it, it got very very complicated. And with three now, it's just like. It's a simple story of a murder mystery, mm -hmm. but it's being told in these three timelines, 1980, 1990, and 2015, where Mahershala Ali's character in the 2015 timeline has dementia. Oh, and he's no. like forgetting the case. He's forgetting his life. And he's trying to remember his life through researching this case and trying to like go back to solving it okay. and like remembering and trying to hang on to his memory through the case. That's um, and his performance is outstanding. Uh, and of course, you got Scoot McNary. There's a lot of I like. I mean, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, and Scoot McNary. Like, we get to see him a little unhinged in uh, here because yeah. it's his children that go missing. Just, just screaming, get, Donna, getting lost in a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> Donna. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's True Detective season three. I, I hope it it ends on a good note. I I'm really digging it so far. It's about halfway through, uh, and then also there's a show called Lodge Forty Nine on Hulu. This was this is an AMC show. Very strange show. It stars the guy from Black Mirror Playtest. The guy that gets plugged into oh, the, oh. the game. That's but, Kurt Russell's son. What? Yeah, Wyatt Russell. It is. The yeah, kid the, the right. guy who like is killed in like ten seconds of spoilers, Black Mirror. Yeah, but, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. his mom called. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Charlie Booker is like, call your mom, guys. Um Okay, that's <laughs> But fun. yeah, it's it's all right, let me try to explain the show. It's uh, on the surface, it's this very kind of familiar story about a deadbeat guy who doesn't really want to grow up and doesn't want to deal with his trauma. Uh, but there's actually a lot more to it if you're willing to dive in. So you can experience the show on that surface level of this guy who's just kind of like wandering through life and then encounters this sort of like weird uh, mate, like Freemason type secret society oh, and infiltrates his sold. way in. Uh, but it's very, very comedic like it has a ton of humor to it even better uh 
But then there's all of this like weird occult shit happening with the secret society and like with his past. And so is it good? It's good. Yeah, it's okay. really good. The it's it's strange. It's weird. Uh, but the writing is really good. It gets very real, and it it just has like this like quality to it that it seems like otherworldly a little bit. There's just Twin something Peaks-y about it. it. Yeah, a little okay. a little Lynchian, but. Uh, not as like out there. It's definitely a little bit more grounded, but you, it still feels like something is a heightened not, reality. Yeah, something's is it, a little. Is it twenty eighteen? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, okay. it, it's it was on AMC and now it's on Hulu. The whole season. I don't know if there's going to be a season two. I think there is, but I watched about half of the season maybe a little less than half i watched like four episodes so i'll try to keep watching and let you guys know how it okay. is I'm, I'm definitely very intrigued okay um you're in on it since, yeah. before we go to break since black mirror came off i did see bandersnatch finally bandersnatch i still have not seen they want to control your brain <laughs> they put they put poison in your food and they record you <laughs> that's that's really good uh i just walk around the house going bandersnatch <laughs> <laughs> lauren is deeply concerned so it is so this is the black mirror choose your own adventure uh thing did you like it didn't love it uh very shtick heavy well, get the hell out of here <laughs> did you love it i mean i thought it was ambitious I, well it's in, so it's, it's really, definitely ambitious i admire what they're going for uh i like i enjoyed it uh I think if I were uh, really stoned, I would be fucking into it. Like, I would love it so much. Yeah, all I think that's what so that's a recommendation about. for how I should watch it for the first time. Oh, just yeah. To get baked. Did you, did you sit there and go through, like, every outcome? I think I, yeah, I think Cause I. Because I, I spent, like, a solid, like, three and a half hours. I, I think I did. Uh, one of my main issues is a lot of the endings just suck. And then the, some a lot of the endings are, are bad. And then some of them are great. I um, read. There's. I, I'm periodically check back in on the interwebs to see like the unfolding because i was convinced i was like okay there's going to be an initial round of everybody finds the like endings and then the dorks are going to start finding the like (laughs) secret secret and the dude uh charlie brooker is it booker booker charlie booker said uh yeah there's endings no one's ever going to find that's awesome he was like, "There's endings I can't get you have to. to. There's like an ending you have to like fast forward for 48 seconds, well, then rewind. Well, back no, three because minutes. it's a it's it's it comes down to choosing specific things in specific orders, and then having to go back and then make different choices. Oh. Yeah, or like the same choice multiple times, and then going back and making the, a certain choice. The it's scene weird. I'm convinced that all happens in is there's like a scene where you have to punch numbers into a, a yes. safe, and there's one where they feed you the numbers, but there's another one where you can just put any digits between zero and nine, and I'm convinced. If you have a code that that is that's that's interesting Hmm. okay Uh, so yeah it's it's ambitious it's enjoyable there's a really really great uh acid trip scene which i found it very well done yeah accurate his eyeball thing is the worst thing his eyeballs are melting out of it yeah yeah, it was really like it was just well done in general it was like it was good and bad just like a trip can be uh and the visuals I found not over the top, which usually they're just way. Yeah, fucking I mean that that scene kind of encapsulates some of my biggest problems with the movie or show or whatever you want to call it. Uh, interactive film, the experience, as Netflix calls it film. Um, that you can choose to not take the acid, but and nothing, yeah. and he'll put it in your drink, yeah. and the same scene plays out. So it's like there is this theme of like the illusion of choice, yeah. and it's even outlined in one of the storylines where our main guy. Uh, Fionn Whitehead of Dunkirk fame. I, what's his? What's the character's name? <laughs> Eyebrow Kid. No, no, no. The, our oh, main, the oh, main okay. guy. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Eyebrow Kid. Uh, I forget the, the guy's name, but he says it. He's like, he's like, 
I the key to making this game is it's that game. I need to give the player the illusion of choice, but I actually determine the outcome. Yeah, it's, and that's I mean, the whole point well, of the thing. Yeah, it's very much about itself. They keep talking about this game called Bandersnatch, and they're talking about the the episode that you're watching. Mm -hmm. uh, found sometimes I found that heavy handed. Just, the but, the but Netflix near, ending a little. Where he's on a set. That's like okay. It's a little coheed and Cambrian. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now yeah, I'm in. I, I was certain you guys were starting to lose me, but now I'm uh, back in. It's you know, it's like Black Mirror. It's very heavy-handed. It takes place in the year 1984. Like did I you, tweeted, that must mean something. Yeah, I tweeted. I was like, damn, that uh, that must mean something, but we can't know for sure. Did we you watch it with with Allison? <laughs> Uh yeah, did yeah. you guys like choose like debate on the choices? Yeah, all? that well, that was the fun part is yeah. like watching it with someone. You can be like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Blah, blah. So my dad uh watched it on his own and he just didn't choose anything. He just <laughs> let the timer run out and then whatever Bold. it picked. <laughs> I was curious if that in and of itself wouldn't lead you to endings you wouldn't otherwise find, where like perhaps the character goes, "What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Type, like, make yeah, a choice." Yeah, they, like, it just on the, makes on the it camera. Makes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes a random choice every time. Interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was fun. Uh, it wasn't my favorite thing. Thing, but I I admire what they're going for. And oh. I, I can say that about a lot of Black Mirror. Yeah. Well, it's it's a good evolution for Black Mirror. Just when it was starting to get a little stale, a little bit played out, they found a way to kind of give it some sort of new life. And I hope we see more of this stuff yeah. on Netflix. It's, yeah, it's better than a lot of stuff. Uh, corny, but it was fun. Speaking of Netflix, do you guys very briefly want to talk about Fire? I feel like this may that yeah. this oh, two, these dueling documentaries have Ernest been talked to about to about death and. I don't really want to belabor the point anymore. Have you guys seen both of them? Yeah, see, yeah. it's I, important to see both of them. I yeah. don't. I don't. I'm good. I don't so, want to see it. <laughs> I think that you're fine without watching either of them because I don't think that any either of them are particularly great documentaries. I think that Netflix's is definitely a stronger documentary. But Netflix is pointedly also basically propaganda, right? If you watch them both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it is, but it's also more well done as far yeah. as well, a yeah, filmmaking certainly. perspective so, yeah, goes. Certainly, um, certainly, I, certainly. I knew I was going to watch both of these because Firefest has fascinated me ever since it happened. Um, it was Yeah, I remember when it happened. It was such a big yeah, deal. Yeah, like, the, really, the answer here is watch one or both if you're interested in Firefest because it was, a, everyone, most people know at least what happened so that day. I, I, I knew about it, didn't care about it. Everybody oh. was talking about the documentaries and I am obsessed with uh, how bad our society is at everything. <laughs> and I yeah. do think if, you couldn't, in the era in which we live, and I think it's the Hulu one that makes this case more than the Netflix one. So you did see both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The era in which we live, like, it, there's almost nothing that's more perfectly, like, emblematic of everything wrong with 2019 that's exactly than a 25-year-old yeah. kid defrauding people by just posting orange squares. Exactly. That's what I said, too, because a lot of reviews for the Hulu one have been like, do they really have to make it about society? But it's like, but this, it, it, yeah. this is, like, a rare instance where it has has to be about society like yeah. this is such a good like cultural timestamp moment I, I think that if you do watch them you i feel like it serves better to watch the netflix one and then the hulu one well, yeah, because, because the, the hulu one is more about the societal aspect of it and doesn't really show you anything of what's happening inside of fire festival except for just like little clips and everything else like that but i think the netflix one because they actually use more footage from the festival itself, yeah, yeah. and they've seen more it, of the senior team. Well, yeah, it yeah, gives they have it, access because they have fuck Jerry producing yeah, it, which yeah. is the conflict of interest as well. But yeah, I, the, I mean, the, then the, on Hulu's side, they interview Bobby McFarlane, and yeah, he's getting paid by Hulu. That's right. Yeah, for but them. so both sides, you're supporting something. It, oh yeah, but I think that. That's why I like the Hulu one more because the content isn't affected by paying the guy. It's made better by paying the guy. I just think I the, think it's because of the direction. Like they have Chris Smith directing the Netflix one, who has made Jim and Andy, uh, the um, uh, 
that whole documentary that came out on Netflix last year, Jim Carrey, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Announces Jim that he's the Christ. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, they have that one. Uh, Hulu's. It just felt like they relied a little bit too much on like internet memes and clips from yeah. like The Office and Family Guy versus like actual visual well, yeah, storytelling. That's, that was the yeah they were behind on that because. Uh, they the Netflix one had access to HD great looking archival footage of what literally happened. Because that, what is goddamn uh, Brian McFarlane, Bobby McFarlane? No, Bobby, Billy, Bobby, Bobby Farron, <laughs> Billy McFarlane. Uh, Billy McFarlane is like literally the Tommy Wiseau of our generation. Like he's a lunatic. Why did anybody? Yeah. It's in the same way that, like, when I read the disaster artist, it's like, what, why do you not tap out? It's like the lengths people will go to to believe that they haven't been duped. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that Hulu serves almost as a decoder ring to Netflix because Netflix, mm. it's all the people involved being like, and the whole time, man, you know, I really thought, you know, I really, <laughs> it just seemed cool. And then the Hulu one's like, no, they knew. They're like, yeah, you're going to have to blow this guy in order to get all this <laughs> yeah, alcohol. Why would you say here? that? Yeah. Um, why would you admit yeah. to that? <laughs> we'll it get, didn't happen. We'll why would you even tell people? We'll get into that um so yeah the netflix one is better as a logistical breakdown of what happened at firefest and then the hulu one is more comedic uh i would agree that it it relies a lot on like like a lot of uh documentaries on tv do like like cuts to like cartoons that depict yeah. what's happening or whatever which can get annoying for sure yeah it's a little too frantic amateur a little bit. yeah um but it's it's more comedic it's it has more of the big picture conversation about what this means because i think that you could not make a documentary without talking about that at length about Firefest. that's the whole point of what happened is that it was like a, it encapsulated a everything um but yeah, Netflix is better for breaking down what happened. Hulu is better for laughing at it. Well, I think also Netflix is is more of an indictment on Billy McFarland. Yeah, yeah, it's more than, about and Hulu's is more of an indictment on twenty five year old kids that have a hundred thousand dollars to go to this festival. Yeah, that's which I mean, granted. I agree that yeah, fuck like rich white kids going there anyways. It's like, pretty it's gleeful. That, it's like it's who cares about these kids? Like that they had to eat cheese sandwiches while they were out there. <laughs> it is hilarious. The sandwiches that, are so. Funny, it's just man, it's like, funny every single time that you look at it. Yeah, <laughs> it never it, doesn't the, get my funny. My favorite thing in both documentaries is the only dude who's in both of them, and I feel like he's. I the, love that guy, Calvin Wells. Yes. Here's what's interesting. So I was like, all right, who is this guy? Because I was like, if I ever need VC for any idea I ever have, I'm going for. <laughs> This guy, this guy and me are on the same page. He's awesome. That dude has zero web presence. Like, and I mean to the degree that you can't even find the company that he works for. Yeah. And I was like, well, isn't that interesting? Well, that's why he didn't get traction when he tried to call right. out Firefest. He made a Twitter before it came out, before Firefest dropped, like, hey, I just did, like, a look into the finances here. It's not going to go well. But even to, no like, one, this no isn't listened. an island. You can Google Earth it. Yeah, it's exactly. It's not an island. Um, yeah, he's great. He's featured more heavily in Fire Fraud. Uh, the, which is the Hulu one. I made like a quick, like, you know, a bullet list comparing them. Venn diagram. If you're oh, interested. Uh, Fire Fraud, it is, you know, it, maybe it sucks that they paid Billy, but they have Billy, and that's a big plus for the, the doctor. The guy also goes after him. Yeah, and the, yeah, that's the thing. They don't use Billy to, like, make him look okay. They use Billy to make him look like a psychopath, which he is. They succeed. Or sociopath. Um, so that's that's a big plus, even though it's morally not great. Uh, Fire Fraud has more takedown of uh, everyone surrounding the event, not just Billy. 
Uh, it's more comedic. It, it's allowed to criticize Jerry Media freely, which, by the way, Jerry Media yesterday, yeah, is yeah. Yesterday it was the like, unfollow campaign. Yeah, it's because fuck Jerry. If you're not familiar, is like the biggest meme account on Instagram, and all they do is just repost other people's tweets yeah, and they posts just steal and memes. Other people's shit. They don't ask permission and they don't uh, pay. So they're finally facing consequences because it's been a shitty company from the jump. They were heavily involved in producing Firefest and then they pr- helped produce this Netflix documentary. So it's good to, that one of them talks shit about Jerry Media. Uh, it also has more insight into Billy's psychology. And like I said, it's just a big fuck you. The, the Netflix one, on the other hand, you'll probably agree with this. Uh, it's better directed definitely it's more it takes its time with interviews mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. where it has those little pauses where you just you're allowed to breathe a little bit which yeah. and the characters it's, it, well great. i mean it's about having an actual true director who's made other stuff before it's like kind of having <laughs> not i don't know who made the hulu documentary but it kind of it Slap struck me dash. a little bit as a, as it was a little bit the, sloppy uh, it was the 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 google assistant like automatic video creator <laughs> when you upload <laughs> a bunch of clips and then it like Makes a video for you, or like the the Facebook like memories. Uh, yeah, Zuckerberg uh, yeah. produced this one. So yeah, it was it was definitely better directed. It has more the the best thing I think about the Netflix one is it has more of the perspective of what happened to the locals on the island, yeah. Yeah. how they got absolutely fucked. There's been a GoFundMe for one woman in particular. Uh, which is great. Uh, more Jaw Rule in the Netflix one. Which jaw is, Rule. How did Jaw Rule get out of this scot free? Is my whole he's question. not. He's according to the Hulu one. He is indicted. But he's. He'll but now, if publicly, you look, at, if you look it up yeah. now, he's fine. Everything as soon as shit started to go down, he has blamed everything on Billy, and well, nobody yeah. questioned Ja Rule. Ja Rule's back to now making his other. It's like the a new fire version again. of Fire. Yeah. yeah. Well, ba- I fire, mean, Fire, but rebranded. You know, it all comes down to basically a lot of people knew it was really shady, but at the end of the day, Billy, you know, he would leave and he would come back with a million dollars, and they were like, you know what, we're not going to ask questions. That's we're right. already dealing with all this bullshit. Uh, so yeah, more Ja Rule, which is always a plus for any piece of media. <laughs> Um, more focus on the logistics, which are interesting, and more respectful to his subjects, almost to a fault, particularly in regards to Jerry Media, which yeah. that bothered me a lot, honestly. The content of the documentary itself is compromised. Well, that's I, I think if you're going to watch them both, start with the Netflix one, because you go like, oh, wow, what an interesting story. And then you watch a Hulu, and you go, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and, I was defrauded again. <laughs> and there's one more positive of the Netflix one, which is the dick-sucking story. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that is the best. It's awesome. Um, it's awesome. Honestly, it's, I don't think that you have to watch it. I don't think either of these documentaries are great documentaries. I was more entertained by just hearing you guys talking. Honestly, about like it. I don't think any of them are particularly great uh, no, documentaries. I don't. It comes yeah, they're down definitely not. They're interesting, but you could also learn just as much by reading Googling. the Wikipedia page. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. What about when they make the movie about it in like five to ten years? Oh, who's well, Billy? Uh, Army Hammer. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Oh man, come on, Michael B. Jordan, diversity. <laughs> Cuba, um, Cuba as Jaw Rule, oh. Junior. I mean, Cuba. all other things aside, that for sure is the, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely in there. John um, Malkovich is that guy with the glasses and the scarf. <laughs> um, the the best review I saw of this was it was a really quick one by Jordan Horowitz on the Letterbox. He's a f- uh, film guy. He said it's exactly as interesting as you want it to be. That's, Which yeah. it's totally true. I am fascinated by this event, so I was like, "Oh, I loved both of these." Even though them as films stand alone, they're not great. I am. If you're endlessly fascinated in the subject, you don't care that much how the film is. They're a product yeah. of their context. Yeah. If you don't give a shit about Firefest, then you probably won't. The documentaries aren't good enough to make up for that. I don't yeah. think. All right. 
let's take a break before we talk Velvet Buzzsaw. So stick around. We will be right back. So it's Super so, Bowl Sunday. We're yep. gearing up. We got our Tostinos. Tostitos. We got Tostitos. our we got our Tito's. Yeah. Our to- Tito's. Our Totinos. I uh, I made my first ever legit bets for this. Oh wow. Like actual gambles. I've, you know what? I've been trying to get everybody He's to been trying. come down to my degenerate level. <laughs> yeah, and this Who do you year. Like? Well, I didn't make bets on the football. I made bets on halftime. And that so, is the most fun yeah. part about yeah, the Super exactly. Bowl is the prop bets. It has all these silly prop bets. So I, I bet on like the first song Maroon 5 is going to play because uh, typically the artist does their current number she, one. She will be loved. No. They start with she will be loved. They got to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, start slow. Yeah. Um, I Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you made some good bets. I also made probably like 15 to 20 bets uh, going on, including I got Jesus in on this Christ. early. On Will Maroon 5 play Sweet Victory from Spongebob? And it has now been confirmed that they will play Sweet Victory no. from yeah. Spongebob. How confirmed So I am this? already up $10. No well, see, cause, yeah, because when I was researching, I was going to bet against that because I was like, no, fu- that, that would be so Why weird. would they ever do that? Then they put out a teaser video that had Spongebob in it. And then the guy who voices Squidward was like, hey, I'm going to announce the beginning of the halftime no. show. No. Yep. And, then so they were like, happening. and then they were just like, yeah, we're going to Are they going to rise the up? kill. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, I, what I wonder is about that question. What if it's not Maroon 5 performing it? What if, oh. like, it's, like, characters or some shit? It's John... Uh, it's, ju- it's Migos. <laughs> Migos and Travis Scott singing Sweet yeah, Victory. They just play the clip from Spongebob. I don't know. Like someone plugs Sweet in Victory. their phone. Um, I'm going to have Sweet Victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I bet on that. I bet on... Uh, the over/under of amount of songs played. I think that's guaranteed money. It's a, yeah. it's a seven and a half. And well, yeah, because they always play medleys of songs, yeah. and they're gonna bring out other artists and, and then big they're boys. Gonna do yeah, because big boys there and Travis Scott's there and Rune Five. And last year Timberlake got to ten songs on his own, so it's gonna be over seven and a half. Yeah, I did. You bet on like the winning Gatorade color? No, I didn't. I bet on, I bet on the winning Christ. Gatorade color. I bet over/under on Gladys Knight singing the national anthem. It's at a minute forty nine seconds. I went over. Okay. Because yeah. I'm just yeah, she's yeah, she's back sure. touring again. Yeah. And, she's, uh, she's, she's on got the uh, mass singer right now. She's got to like really belt out these notes that? and everything. Oh yeah, spoiler. <laughs> damn it! Why <laughs> did you? Damn it, Drew. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, what was the other one I did? <laughs> I, can I, did you bet on MVP at five. all? The the guitar riff from Harder to Breathe slaps. Dude, Maroon 5 first album slaps. Songs yeah, about yeah. Jane. Oh, okay. that Songs about Jane is is a amazing album. I wish that they would just play stuff off of that you know, album. I'd be happy with a couple songs off the follow-up. Yeah. Sweet Kiwi <laughs> Juice dripping <laughs> down my That's skin. a good Adam Levine. Oh my god, Ernest. That's yeah. amazing. Is that like a commercial? <laughs> um, or a wake up call caught you in the morning with Yeah, the, come on. Oh, there's some classics that's that they could pull yeah. from here. Yeah, you can bet on like the color of his shirt. Yeah. Adam Levine. You can bet the on the color of his top. Whether can, or not Gladys Knight will be wearing a skirt or a dress <laughs> whenever she comes out there. You, you can bet on whether or not he'll be wearing a hat at the beginning of the performance, which if you Google it, he never wears hats. Never, never, ever, ever, ever wears hats. Uh 
What yeah, was, was there's the all kinds one? of other fun things that you can bet on uh, besides you, the actual. How much you can money bet on the actually, order. How much money did you spend um, so far? But the well, night is young. See, the thing is, is this actually only cost me a total of $10 betting on this because I've been making money throughout the year. I have about $100 worth of bets okay. that are out there. But you're some playing of with them, house money. Some of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm playing yeah. with house money. And some of them are locks. Like, okay. Tom Brady winning the MVP. If the Patriots win, Tom Brady yeah. will win the but MVP. what is the amount of the money that you bet? Don't worry about it. Dude. <laughs> it doesn't. That part doesn't matter. Well, it's house by, money. By the time I put you, down, by the time you grand, listen to this, but <laughs> by the time you listen to this, it it uh, the Super Bowl will already be over, and Hunter will already be yeah. in repo. And I won't He'll be, be sharing on a cell with Billy McFarland. <laughs> yeah, Hunter, there's there's a big Russian guy with a baseball bat walking you know, up. You know what's funny is like I was watching these Fire Festival documentaries. I'm like, Billy Farland's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. I want to be like him. Yeah, so yeah. since then I've been doing this whole thing. It's called wire fraud. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I, wire fest. Yeah. I, um, can we, one, well, one more point on that. If any if you spell fire with a Y, that was the first red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's woke. Yeah. Um, well, the next one is just going to be an emoji. That'll that'll be the name of the festival. It's It'll the, just it's be the, fire emoji. Yeah. It's the, the, the emoji that just says dollar eyes. <laughs> yeah, money fest. Well, money as you can fest. tell, we're very excited to talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> so excited that we're going we're gonna to spend another, another 15 minutes talking about another Jake bet. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> uh, I like, well, I'd like to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal. Can we yeah. end with that like on a good note so we can end on a happier note? Yeah, let's, you want to? Do, can we do the movie now? Get into I just want to get all right. Well, that's going to give away that Velvet Bustle is the best performance. <laughs> okay, so quick thoughts. Uh, Greg, what did you think? Uh, I wanted to love this movie. It had all the ingredients of a movie that I should have loved. And I walked, uh, I was halfway through it and I was going, okay, well, there'll be a turn. Right? And then that turn never comes. No. Okay. That's... I feel I feel very similar to that. I mean, this is the follow-up to Nightcrawler, which is Actually, One of the it's the follow-up to Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh, what fuck. in the hell is that? Yeah. Yep. The Denzel. <laughs> yeah. So, so Nightcrawler was his debut, and then he made another movie. Dan Gilroy. He made Roman J. Israel Esquire in what 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017. Because Denzel when did was nominated. Come out? That was last. Year. It was 14, 2014. Oh my god. Uh, but dude, Nightcrawler is is one of the best so films of the decade. Truly. It's so good. So it's like, all right, back with back with Gyllenhaal. It's the follow up. Let's do this. It's like I a felt horror like it was satire. Yeah, exactly. And from the jump, I knew this was going to be bad. Like I could just tell there was just this feeling in me that I was like, oh, no, this is this is horrible. But I stuck through and I was like, OK, you know, there's there's something here. There's some good themes about commerce and the value of art. There's a great performance in Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, come on, come on. And. It just never it doesn't, got there. What it the never fuck is it about? There. It was yeah. this. This movie was a massive, massive disappointment yeah, for me. Okay. Like I was so ready to love it. I was so ready to be into it. And there is not much to love here. All I could really say that I liked is Jill and Hall's performance. Int- I That's would. Fair. I would. Okay. Well, for, no. Go ahead. What are you saying? I, you I, disagree? I disagree. But we nice. can get into the meat of that later. Well, on. see, I didn't particularly enjoy almost any performance. Uh, I'll just yeah. I think this movie is an absolute failure. Oh wow! I I hated this movie. Like oh, I didn't. Wow. I wasn't just like ambivalent. I truly hated it, uh, start to finish. I thought I think it's a bad movie. It carries no momentum with it. It carries no emotional stakes with it. So what other ingredients of a movie like those are both requirements? Those are not negotiable. You have to have that to have a movie. This didn't feel like a movie. 
Like, I don't even know what it felt like. It just didn't feel like I was watching it's a movie. It's a series of ideas. It's Yeah. That's a like, great. Like you said, thematically, there are good ideas buried in it. But if your movie is bad, it doesn't matter what your themes are. Who's the main character in this movie? Right. Well, it's the girl, right? Yeah. Who, Coco? Yeah. Yeah. Nancy from Stranger Things is the only performance in this movie. <laughs> Nancy from Stranger Things for president. Uh, so, I mean, I'll spoil just... Well, go ahead, Hunter. I guess I just have to be the one stand on this movie and say that I loved it. No, no you didn't. I've got no, points. I didn't, I didn't love it. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, this movie is like one part... One part, like, thriller, horror, slasher. One part, true, like, satire of the upper class. And then those are two things that should really work for me. And but all ever, parts yeah. of this are just so confusing well, it's, it's just such a mess yeah. it's like a stew where they tried to throw in some good ingredients the ensemble here like this should is an amazing, amazing cast yeah. john malkovich tony cast. collette tony Co- russo why is john malkovich in it <laughs> what is Diggs, he there yeah. for well this is Diggs. this is a big issue i have this is a really big ensemble piece we don't spend a ton of time with anybody and most of these characters are completely interchangeable yeah. as far as what we know about them we yeah. know that they're all pretty decently not good people we don't really like any of them except maybe nancy from stranger things who we barely see at all who also may be the villain well so so what i was getting at about this too is like you have this great door you have i mean i'm starting to kind of question <laughs> great director <laughs> I, I, I say Dan Gilroy, no, I, but yeah. he's truly he's putting out this very original script idea we have this great cast we have a genre film thrown in there but it's like mixing up a stew and then you're just like throwing like candy canes in there and you're like <laughs> throwing like a chocolate bar in there and then we're gonna have like a top house sirloin it's like when Chidi and makes nothing the chili. comes together yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. you put the peeps in there. Like, yeah nothing comes together what's like the ingredients here should be good but it's just a fucking mess well spe- yeah. speaking to that point one thing i wrote down is it feels like a rough cut of a movie that will eventually be average Ooh, you know whoa, what i like jesus yikes <laughs> yeah that's well, yeah, right. your bomb gift. i'm going in today. yeah because the the what you have here isn't particularly revelatory in any way like the shots that they got on the day they're not the you know the, no. the cinematography is very bland like the the set design is, is they're like great. there are three shots that i liked <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say yeah, that there right. is maybe a potential to turn this into something good is if they would have really gone in there and uh, kind of expanded all of the wacky, uh, almost like Robert Rodriguez, like, like <laughs> yeah. horror movie, all of the campy he, horror he movie said, stuff. I read a thing where he said we, we can't became our best friend and it was like, well, you should have gone harder because it yeah. wasn't clear whether or not it was trying to be campy or whether they just didn't know exactly. how to pick a tone. Yeah, that's, You're and so that's right. kind of the problem is that this movie, it felt like two different movies that stand alone each of them could have been great in their own right but then whenever you put them together it just is a mess yeah um, from a genre perspective too like if the thing with a horror movie is that uh, our characters have to commit a sin and then be punished for it like all, all the characters are immediately unredeemable so it's unclear like what it is that they've done wrong thank you okay this movie combines two of the most hack premises I've... This is why I have no forgiveness for this movie. Good Bo- lord. Both I, premises... I'm, my skin is charred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breathing fire onto you. Both of these premises are fucking old. A, a send-up of the high-class art world. Oh, finally. 
Finally, <laughs> finally, someone takes on those guys. Usually, have you ever seen a movie or a TV show where there's a scene in an art gallery and they're all likable? Yeah, you, yeah. Every they're always depicted in this way. Every scene where people are talking about art pretentiously was hack. It's been done a million times. They didn't even put a twist on it. It was just people talking about art and being annoying. Before I watched this, I, what I was always saying was, I wish that there was just some way for artists to make money. And then I saw this and I went, oh, maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> and I had never thought about well, that before. That's, <laughs> After watching this, I'm never buying art. I'm never buying or selling art. Well, and so like you said, our other main ingredient here is Final Destination. Yeah. But art. (laughs) But that should have been the movie. I would have loved it if this was killer just some, yeah, this some just went wacko full schlock exactly yeah. Yeah. and he, just went all in on the genre balls he really, to the walls killer painting exactly he really it's it's a movie that has no idea how corny it is I think well, like because it's trying to be so much bigger and smarter than it is I even I listened to uh, an interview uh, that yeah that Dan Gilroy did with Sean Fennessy he's just like you know working on this project was amazing because you don't have the big studio heads giving you notes or telling you what to do and it's like maybe you need maybe, that's what maybe it- this should have been made by a studio so the studio can come in there and be like hey this, this doesn't make any sense the fact that the John Malkovich only takes like one role every four years and he got wasted this. in this movie hey man, is a box? goddamn shame Okay. What were you yeah. gonna say? <laughs> yeah, why, why is John Malkovich in this movie? He's why got some you... kind of Netflix contract, no doubt. What the hell was? It? What a waste! I want John Malkovich running around smearing peanut butter on his face and like screaming at children. <laughs> I don't. I, I think just... I think everyone is wasted in every this movie. single person. The only person, uh, I mean, I I actually like what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing, but uh, the only other person that I I think was actually like really on the same page Tony as, as yeah, yeah as Dan Gilroy is Tony Collette I even... see I was not a fan of Tony I like Jake Gyllenhaal because I like how over the top he was in this Jake Gyllenhaal his line delivery is incredible that's kind of the thing yeah. with Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal is he's kind of a master at subtlety and I kind of like just seeing Jake Gyllenhaal free of everything as this like bisexual art yeah. <laughs> art critic Bold is cut. just kind of going all in on these like kind of zaniness and he really embraced that character Tony Collette I didn't buy for one second I didn't buy her stupid ass wig that Whoa. she wore which I thought looked horrible. I don't and think you're supposed to buy the, the wig. Purpose. I think yeah. that's the point. Yeah, right. she's it's ridiculous. But that's the thing. But There's, if you're going to make a satire, there has to be a, a, a decoder ring, to use that term again. <laughs> there has to be a moment where we, we use go, that term oh, twice. This, this is what the intention... Like you, it's like the Poe's Law thing where like you can't have a satire of people that everyone knows to already hate. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, r- right. Ex- that, but, you know, it, you're totally right. You're totally it, right. Well, Dan Gilroy in that same uh, interview, he basically said that all he wanted to do was create uh, characters based off of all of the archetypes that exist in the art scene. Yeah, maybe so like, this is hard hitting if you're friends with those guys. Yeah, if you know, if <laughs> not, you live not, in LA and you go to museums, there is one archetype in this movie. Every character, snooty art. <laughs> yeah. Like David Diggs is a twist on it because he's different. He's like f- not from the scene, but, but he's, every, he is an archetype in and of itself the as the artist. outsider exactly. who Just makes his way ev- in. Yeah, every single character in the art scene is one character in this so i I actually i this movie really like went off the rails for me because at first i really liked josephina the zowie ashton character Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. i really liked the way she started off great yeah she's who i was saying is like the the central character of yeah, the film. And she really starts out as kind of this dynamic character who's trying to find her own way into the scene to kind of make her nut. But then she just goes completely, just becomes a fucking like sadistic psychopath. And it's unclear why or how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just because like, I guess she gets obsessed with money yeah, or yeah. something. All right. So I think we should, we should 
squeeze into spoilers here because yeah. there's a couple thoughts on that. So if you want to see this movie, it's on Netflix. It won't cost it's, you anything. It, Just two hours of your life. I mean, I will say, I would rather watch this movie than Glass. Again, I would not. Mm, I would. They're I tru- about on the same level, but I, I would actually, rather watch this than I Glass. I feel like Glass is better than this. I, I, I'd give this like a four out of ten. Glass is a movie. This is not a movie. Whoa. This is. I think this is just absolutely haphazard. Like at least, at least M Night managed to make something. It's in line with his. With his crazy there are thoughts. Things okay, happen. all right, all right. Maybe you guys are right. Things are rather watch class. I don't know. I'm I, just being. Here's yeah. the most important detail about this entire movie. Why does he have a flip phone? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's yeah. What? Um, what is that? So I read. I read it because I was like, "What the fuck?" He, that was a Gyllenhaal choice. <laughs> Gyllenhaal, <laughs> Gyllenhaal so, thought so he method. was in a period piece. Duda Magooder <laughs> was like, he was in. Jake is great. I just let him do whatever he wants. On Nightcrawler, uh. he was like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds and have a man bun. On this, and I'm, qu- I'm quoting Gilroy on this. He goes, on this, he said, I think Morph's a traditionalist and he has a flip phone. That's so funny. But wh- can, we get, can we get a movie? Can we get a Morph spinoff? Cause I I loved everything Jake did in this movie. Like I so, he was I was so in it. Yeah, so, I wanted to like say it. your piece here. Yeah. Okay. So night if Nightcrawler. So like I have this whole treatise on Gyllenhaal that I've been preparing all week out of uh, anxiety over earning my place here on no, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Uh, so my earliest exposure to Gyllenhaal, Donnie Darko, obviously, right? I yep, fucking yeah. hate Donnie Darko. I don't like <laughs> him in it. Yeah, what? we can talk about that at length. If oh you want. no, oh. Donnie Darko. Oh. Similarly, a movie where a guy was like, "I have a bunch of ideas," and and it's like, what in the fucking emo music is this? <laughs> and then and then then I, for years in my mind, I don't think I saw anything else he was in for years, and it was like Gyllenhaal's like a leading man. He's kind of a Leo. He's kind of cute, right? And he, he like October Sky, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that's what is he even in that or is October, that yeah, yeah, October Sky? Him. He's like that's before Donnie Darko. Is it? Yeah, it was that's pre Donnie Darko. Probably around though. the same time. It's like Either he, way, in my mind, it was like he had done this one weird movie. He was like a leading kind of cute guy, right? And then then I think literally the next thing I saw was Nightcrawler, and I was like, what the fuck? Where did this guy come from? Oh my god, he's a master. And then, like, going back and watching Southpaw and Brothers, it's like, oh, holy shit, this guy's really good. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen those. And here's the thing, right? So here's, here's the question. In this movie, he's obviously doing a character. Uh, is Jake Gyllenhaal a leading man? Or is he a character actor? Or is he the rare both? I think mm. that he is the rare both in that he has the charisma and the attractive factor to make him a leading man. But also, if you watch something like Prisoners or Zodiac, in which he's part of like a larger ensemble, uh. he relishes oh, in that. Zodiac. He, he loves Almighty. being mighty. Like he is so good in Zodiac. Yeah. It's gonna make my top five list yeah. of his performances. But but that, that or even basement? something even something yeah. like a little bit older. I'm I didn't put this in my list because I'm not sure how well this movie as a whole has held up over the years, but Jarhead Jarhead. I forgot he about is, that one. Yeah. He's great in that he's movie. He's played a soldier a lot of times, which is weird. <laughs> he's kind of got this soldier feel to him especially he when he gets cop. the buzz cut well he, he looks great with also the buzz why is morph yeah. here back to why is he so ripped why do they show how hot he is so many well, times mysterio. what the fuck is that about mysterio's uh-huh. ripped yeah but why does that matter in this movie <laughs> well he's just like a contract thing he just has to be ripped at that time period while they shot it you know he was like just to let it's you guys just... know back up to wait after nightcrawler back up to wait he, well uh... maybe he's still ripped from southpaw or uh, I don't know, stronger. So he's, yeah. he's got to get strong for <laughs> stronger. We're getting ahead of ourselves with the Gyllenhaal. 
talk. We just he's, don't want to talk about I think, this movie. <laughs> I agree. I think he's capable of being incredible. He he's capable of blending in or standing out. Uh, he's also, I think, been not great before. This performance didn't strike me as like super uh, fascinating. Is that his fault or was, is it everyone? Well, that's the thing. Fault. It's definitely I, the most interesting part of the well, movie. Yes, yeah, I agree. And with he's that. the most. You know, he's the character that's given the most rain with the camera to be like a wild and crazy guy but i don't think that he him in particular was the reason because i think that there are other actors in this movie on his caliber that didn't deliver because their characters were even worse than his character i wanted this movie to be the morph show i wanted him to be in every scene and he like disappears for long stretches of it and if he had atoned if he was the one character who goes oh we're shitty people (laughs) <laughs> then it almost would have brought well, the whole thing like yeah so i i really want to talk about a point you made earlier uh which is the basically dan gilroy introduces us to a bunch of characters he says you don't like any of these characters now watch them die right um yeah. <laughs> so he was banking on us feeling made uh, by sociopaths for sociopaths well, yeah so already any emotional like oh no is out the window so we already aren't going to care about that part uh, which is a lot of what suspense is based on is caring in the first place. Uh, the other issue is he was banking on the fact that instead of that, we would feel uh, schadenfreude, however you say that. Yeah, yeah. The German, we would feel like, oh, fuck yeah, finally these people are getting what's what's coming yeah. for them. However, these characters are, didn't, aren't even, for me, they're not even stand-ins for real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was like watching someone shoot a cardboard cutout <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> like there's no like, oh, damn, that's a person. There's no, there was no stakes for me because of this. There was no feeling of fear or re- or reality or anything of that nature. It yeah. just killed me. Yeah, and and now to kind of to kind of slip into spoilers here. I was hoping that the the rules that the movie lays out about how the art is actually kind of coming to life and murdering people would be a lot clearer because the first murder <laughs> Lauren kept going. What are the rules? Yeah, the. the <laughs> It's the, the first the first murder we get is uh, Billy Mag Magnuson. Yeah, I, what I, the fuck? And he gets taken by these monkeys into a painting that and, was already hanging in a ghost gas station. Exactly. So we're led to believe that this old man created some demonic paintings w- using his own blood, but the paintings and the artwork, or someone else's blood. Yeah, that's never made clear either. Or yeah, and and the the artwork that is killing everyone aren't these paintings it's it's all the other artwork so it's like some sort of curse that the paintings place on the individual so that they get killed it's like the grudge but art yeah I, I guess. it's like I, everything but art so <laughs> best part is... about this movie the names we have vitral deese we have great morph vanderwalt <laughs> redora hayes John Don yeah. Don, my favorite. John yeah. Don Don. In, in that same interview, in that same interview, Dan Gilroy says that he spends days on names. Yeah. Maybe you should spend days on plot and then instead I had, of names. Yeah, I had a, three days left for the script <laughs> after after the names. But the names, you There's, guys, yeah. the goddamn names. No one's even mentioning them in the reviews. <laughs> and J- John Malkovich's character is just Piers, right? Pierce. Yeah. Pierce. Yeah. yeah. But spelled like Piers. Why is like it called Velvet Buzzsaw? Because of the tattoo. Right. On, no, I. Yeah. yeah. But, I know. But. Yeah, well, they even say in the beginning, they're like Velvet Buzzsaw. Well, at least the name was catchy. And it's really not that catchy it's of a name. It's not catchy. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, not. it's bad. 
I think this is a movie that wanted to be a 70s grindhouse movie and had two million too many dollars <laughs> yeah. to do yeah, it. Because I think it, if this was Scrappy Upstarts, it would have nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that if this movie would have just committed to being just a genre film down the middle mm-hmm. with a good cast, then I feel like it would have succeeded. I feel like it would have been a good, enjoyable well, time. Yeah, it would have. You're yeah. stuck just kind of thinking through like what what is this scene trying to tell me what is this character supposed to represent after every fade to black lauren and i looked at each other and went what is happening exactly (laughs) and that's why i like it it just felt like homework in the worst kind of way what happens to josephina too does she get eaten by well it's (laughs) she gets like sucked into the painting but it's not even homework because nothing is assigned (laughs) there's no teacher assigning anything how are you supposed to know what homework to do if nothing is aside good metaphors <laughs> um i mean yeah it's it's an absolute mess uh i think in every way i think yeah i think if they committed to the corniness it would have at least been marketable but it's not even that this movie is buried already in Netflix. yeah yes, i got to search for exactly it. yeah, it's not even on the front page of and, netflix and if you search velvet it's the third thing yeah. that comes up <laughs> yeah and yeah and it's it's not on the new releases which it is which like, brings us to another question why is netflix so bad at making movies save roma you're right uh, Even Roma yeah. kind of disappeared after well, a week. Well, hey, Bu- Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Well, that was a great but that's one. That's the goddamn Cohen. Yeah. yeah, and also we already talked one of their weakest, albeit yeah. great. Well, I think partially, like we, uh, I think you said in this case, uh, Netflix is notorious for giving their creators a little more room, and it, in this case, no it notes. worked. It, I think it didn't. It, yeah, it, it worked against them. a case them. of it not working. That can out. yeah, that can produce greatness or it can produce I shit. Just, Netflix needs a Gertrude Stein. This movie just like <laughs> it really like this movie it. it it really hurt my feelings, this movie, oh. because I, I was never excited. saw. I mean, Nightcrawler is such a great yeah. movie, yeah. and I never saw. Perfect. I never saw J. Roman Israel Esquire, but also I was just like, all right, it's Dan Gilroy trying to make his Oscar movie. You know, whatever. Like that's that's fine. You can do that. It sounded like he was going back to doing an original story again. I was excited reuniting with Jake Gyllenhaal, and then he just let me down. And now it's kind of making me rethink: okay, is Dan Gilroy even good, or did he just have this one burst? Um, I mean, look at the guy who made Donnie Darko. mm. He's kind of gone on to do nothing else with the rest of his career. He did the box. What's yeah, the good. Box? <laughs> well, uh, all right. Cyclops and Cameron Diaz get a box, and if you press a button, somebody dies, oh, but you get a million dollars. I'm and, uh, listening. And <laughs> Richard Kelly. Richard Kelly. Richard Kelly. Get no, I this. remember that. I do remember get that. Get this. Uh, it's because people who get struck by lightning are inducted into the Illuminati and get magical powers. Um, Whoa. All right, so I'm tightening the noose. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Kelly, you know, if, if we want to compare Jake Gyllenhaal in the hands of a potential lunatic, uh, at least Richard <laughs> Kelly is like unapologetic. We are going to talk about your take on Donnie Darko because Donnie Darko is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm out here. I'm and out. How Hunter, dare you stay? Hunter is offended. I'll stay. I, I, that hurt my feelings. Donnie Darko <laughs> walked backwards into hell. Hunter, Hunter has taken off his uh, Patriots jersey to reveal a rabbit mask. Yeah. Oh, shit. And Donnie taught we me. We can it was talk okay. about Donnie. He taught me it was okay to be well, weird. Well, before before and before attractive. we get to that, let's wrap up Velvet um, Buzzsaw. Yeah. I just wanted to say that this is Velvet a- Buzz Nah. Whoa! <laughs> oh shit! Yep, yep. He went there. Uh, this is a twenty-one million dollar movie, so it's God. not it's not micro budget, but it's not huge. That's way too much. Twenty-one so much mil. Money. Wait, did you say twenty-one million dollars? I said yeah. three million. 
20, well, where I did think, it go? I think 10 million is just John Malkovich. It went, <laughs> yeah. well, it's just that cast and then I guess CG. Can we, also, here's another point, <laughs> not I, not to beleaguer the points on John Malkovich, but even the thing at the end where we, uh, we, we ostensibly get the moral of the film, which is where John Malkovich has gone to make art for art's sake, that's also presented as like, look what a fucking idiot exactly. this guy is. It, oh, drawing on the sand. You're the so bloom, right. Bloom, bloom. Bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah, like it's like oh he's crazy. So if you no matter what, if you make art, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, according to this movie. Yeah, Which, I mean what, what the movie and he, Dan Gilroy guilt free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What he's trying to say is that if you put price on uh, a price tag on art, you're a monster and you deserve to die. Banda snatch. <laughs> it's just, art is not about and, the money. Well, and there is a deep irony to what happened to this movie because yeah. it, it's a movie about how, you know, uh, mitigation gets in the way of enjoying art and guess what? It has been mitigated to the realms of Netflix's and it's, dungeon. Well, it's memed, too. There's some there's some memes it's just, coming out of there. I just, Naked Gyllenhaal on the laptop. That's yeah, at least be... we, that was the highlight of this movie, was seeing Gyllenhaal booty. Yeah. It's just, that was all that he's, needed. Uh, he's a dish. Uh, <laughs> he is. There's, there's a movie I, I want to compare this to. It's uh, a Bobcat Goldthwaite movie. Oh, interesting. From <laughs> Right? The famous screaming 80s comedian. He made a movie in 2011. It's called God Bless America. Uh, oh, man. Do you remember this? I loved God. God bless America. So, well, here's the thing. This this is another, it's a vigilante movie that is mostly just about killing people that everyone hates. Yeah. Uh, however, it leaned into being corny and yeah. funny. I didn't love the movie at all, but at least it knows what it was. Yeah. And right. the, it has the one other ingredient that is hilarious that it we would be missing from Velvet Buzzsaw, which is the protagonists are... Like, the people who are doing this to the bad people are people you're rooting for. Right. And Velvet Buzzsaw, you're also not rooting for the crazy old man's art. For Vitral Dees? You, you like, <laughs> Vitral Dees? <laughs> you don't, like, you don't like this guy. The guy Vin Diesel's alternate ego. The, the guy who <laughs> I is... I love... I love... V- Vitral Dees? <laughs> that, like... The perpetuator of the of the justice is also bad. He's a corpse on the floor. So no character is redeemable. Um, and in God Bless America, it's like an old man who's dying and this young girl who are both likable characters, and they're going around and killing like you know conservative the worst. people and American like, Idol. Yeah, and like yeah, American Idol people like millennials. It's you know it's super heavy handed, but it knows it is. It's super corny and and and, and they're rebuked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's there's stakes the, in the, the movie. writer of that film is like, I'm not saying this is a good idea. Yeah, which would also if like at the end of that movie it was like, go home and do it, kids. You'd be like, yikes. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, just well, I mean, okay. So another point um, that I that you guys are talking about with the whole with the first murder sequence that we see here is that something that's established in the movie is the magic behind these whole painting killer paintings is never made clear whatsoever and it seems to like vary drastically (laughs) depending on each character so there's no there's no rules at least that's like kind of the the thing that you have to have about genre film is there has to be rules around this uh existential kind of thing that's happening or it's released if you're not gonna have rules then the magic better be fun yeah (laughs) yeah god almighty it hangs a guy cool (laughs) (laughs) it hangs a guy how did that even other times the the hand came out of unclear other times there's a (laughs) painting that's not a dece painting in which monkeys come out and pull somebody in and then there's 
uh, well, one the time, sphere, the sphere kills at one point, Tony it's Collette. not even. <laughs> yeah, it's a sphere. Again, it's not even using like Deese's paintings. And then we have street art suck in, turn into a yeah. museum that one sucks in Josephine. What? Point, pointedly, <laughs> one piece of which, if you look on the left hand side in that museum, the it's just tagged and it just says art. Yeah, no, I noticed that. <laughs> well, well, here's the here's the kicker. The one of the one of Deese's paintings is a woman oh. who is looking at two shadows and a, with a cat and the, with a cat and then at the end, Rene Russo's character is just like that. Oh, because shit. art is like life. Because life is no. like art. No, it's the <laughs> no. the shot and is the same the as the tattoo painting. on her neck turns into a real buzzsaw. <laughs> that that made me want to sh- shoot myself. She. Has I was a like, thank God, this velvet is the buzzsaw. end of the movie. <laughs> Like oh my god this this movie I, my closing thought is that it was a waste of time for every person involved in it including us. Damn. I, yeah, I regret well, I'll even leave. watching this movie, but <laughs> we're deleting. Well, I'm sorry this podcast. that you're here for it's this. Never getting posted. Um, you're what? We're deleting this podcast. Oh, okay. It's never getting. Well, we're not recording, so good. Oh, oh sweet, holy perfect, shit. perfect. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, this movie say... didn't make me as angry as something like. How Bohemian sad Rhapsody, and delusional though. would that be if we all sat in a room and talked into microphones <laughs> and didn't record it? Well, that was what episode zero was for. Yeah, oh, that's happened yeah. before. <laughs> all right, never mind, never mind. Well, Greg, what what are your what are your final thoughts on Velvet Buzz song? Yeah. Velvet Buzz and all. Yeah, good. good. I I'd say you know <laughs> I, I wanted pun. I wanted to like this movie. I was I was ready to sit there and love it and it just it, it it never happened it never happened even though i like jake gyllenhaal everything else about it just didn't work and it sucks you yeah. know i don't want to shit on it too much but i do but drew drew did it for us and <laughs> i can't really argue with much of what he's saying uh i hope that maybe dan gilroy one day comes back with something uh like hey, maybe Nightcrawler. go back to like an actual production studio that'll be ah. like hey how about you reel it in just a little yeah. bit okay dan yeah, we'll see um all right did we, uh, if we wanted to rate it, I'd probably, I don't know. I don't want to rate it. What's your, I, it was what's your bad. system? Out of five? Out of ten. ten. Uh, f- four? Yeah. yeah. Like a three four. or four. I'm, I'm yeah. in between a three or four. The reason I think this is worse than movies like Bohemian Rhapsody is that those hit on the broad appeal uh, aspects. And you know that because it has broad appeal and the broad audience likes it, whether mm-hmm. or not it's good. This doesn't have that. It doesn't appeal to critics, an audience. It doesn't appeal to anybody. I, I truly hate it. Uh, this movie doesn't make me as angry as Bohemian Rhapsody because Bohemian Rhapsody is like a drunk person doing uh, karaoke at one thirty in the morning when everybody else is like slowly leaving the bar and they're like, hey, I know this song. Even if it's just not actually there at all. She's this movie, a killer. This is, also, uh, this is also an original film. It kind of hurts that this is so bad of an original story because yeah. I feel like that kind of hurts the whole yeah, thing of support, original filmmaking. Yeah, support original filmmaking, but but you know. it damn it, Dan. Damn well, it, Dan. let's let's end on a good note with a little countdown of our favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performances. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't I didn't rank mine. Yeah, um, I just kind of did a let's loose just yeah, let's just five. in general talk. Yeah, about but it. I mean, for me, Nightcrawler's number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Does for anyone me too. disagree? Ah, yeah. uh, it's not my number one. It's Donnie right. Darko. No. Oh, not Donnie Darko. It's Enemy. Yep. Let's let's talk about Enemy a little bit. Spiders. Enemy (laughs) is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal is truly magnetic in this performance, and that he's playing two different characters that are drastically different from each other. Denis Villeneuve. I I just think that this movie is a masterpiece, but it does not work without Jake Gyllenhaal. He is 
in pretty much every single shot of this movie, and the movie completely falls apart without him. I have Nightcrawler at number two. I also think his performance in Nightcrawler is unbelievably it's asto- good. Yeah, it's astoundingly good. That movie in general is so good. Every note hits on that movie. It's That's crazy why, that it was made by the same I know, person. Well, and it, it's and it deals with it's a, a, an attempt at a similar thing. Well, it's like a subversion of a genre. It's mm-hmm. like a... And again, it has interesting things to say about like late capitalism. Robert, yep. Yeah, and this movie was going for something in that ballpark, and it just yeah. fell. And Riz yeah. Ahmed's character too. I mean, oh yeah, yeah this was kind yeah. of the breakout for Riz Ahmed yeah. was Nightcrawler. Terrific. Um, well, going back to Enemy real quick, uh, that's a movie that listeners, if you haven't seen it, it's it takes you on a trip. It's a wild ride. Yeah, you, you might not like it. Yeah, it's yeah. polarizing. It's, it's not you for everyone. <laughs> but the reason why I, I would totally agree that it deserves a spot up there is is because it, it is grounded by that performance and like kind of how fucked up this guy is by seeing his double and like that kind of journey that that he sets himself on and all of like the peripheral stuff with the spiders and the just there's so much uh symbolism exactly. in that movie it's very and that bricky and, and it all it's like the best of kubrick and david lynch yeah. all merged together into one and i think that this is i think that enemy is a masterpiece of filmmaking i think that's one of the best movies of the decade and that oh, ending wow. man that it's one <laughs> of those time great ending. it is one yeah. of the yeah. best it's up there with like whiplash and um so those yeah. movies that just his his ending. performance is awesome in that that movie's not uh one of my faves honestly uh i i tend to like movies less when I when you're supposed to look it up afterward. Um, like oh, that's. But I don't think that you have to look it up. I think that you can kind of put the pieces together on your own with that. I'm, I'm, with, I'm a popcorn movie guy. Like I, I realized years ago I have terrible taste. <laughs> and I was like, you know, every once in a while an art flick will get me, but a lot of times I just want stuff to like be yeah. pretty I just, approachable. Like I, I love movies that confuse you along the way, but I prefer them to reveal themselves a little bit by the end enemy is very opaque Mm -hmm. it is like one of the most opaque movies i've ever seen like you watch it literally it's like yellow yeah Yeah, it's all all of it is like sepia colored smoggy movie yeah you finish and you're like what the fuck you just feel dirty as this view of toronto that you've never seen before all right donnie darko donnie darko (laughs) fight all right let's do you want me to present my case okay yeah go for it uh so Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly, sets out as a young man in a fraught time to make a movie about a young man in a fraught time. And in many ways, he does. Uh, Frank is great. Uh, that the, the rabbit design is legitimately terrifying. A lot of interesting ideas. Richard Kelly's greatest sin is that if... Uh, uh, who did I say earlier? Thinks there's, if, if if the dude from True Detective uh, thinks he's Russ smarter Cole, than he is, Nick and, and Aaron Sorkin uh, writes smarter than he knows he is, Richard Kelly has no idea how smart anyone is, <laughs> and is just like Lynchian in the sense that it's like when when Lynch talks about like that you have to get the fish out of the d- depths of consciousness. Like Richard Kelly's <laughs> doing something similar. But whereas Lynch is like, and I don't expect that you're gonna get a goddamn bit of this. Richard Kelly's like, no, 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 get it right. And you're like, no, no. And then he's like, well, there's a 37,000 page comic book you can read. And you're like, well, what the fucking just that's not movies then. That's a whole nother thing. Maybe that's visionary. In my opinion, as as we just discussed, uh, I just want to I don't I don't I I got to sleep tonight I, I, I can't, you can't be thinking about an airplane deal uh, with crashing yeah into man your what in the goddamn hell uh although from what i've looked into it does look like he had a fairly 
actually fleshed out version of time travel which is admirable like if primer is yep. a masterpiece then i guess uh which i also disagree with but then whoa, donnie darko whoa, also man. has to be a masterpiece. man you're just getting no, enemies I'm with, on I'm, this podcast I'm, I'm with you on primer that's a movie about how complicated the movie is yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah i yeah. love yeah. primer it's, which is it's, it's cool like i like bit. it but it's like a long skit <laughs> kind of, which I, i'm not saying it's bad i'm just yeah. saying like, it's like if you watch primer and your nose starts bleeding that's like okay yeah yeah and i was like i don't know Back to the Future is a good time. <laughs> it is a good time. Yeah, you don't even like, have to downplay it. You're right. I just, it's a good time. I'm just going to rebuttal your argument with one uh, piece of dialogue from Donnie Darko. Right. Honey, our son just called me a bitch. <laughs> you're not a bitch. You're bitching, but you're not a bitch. I rest my case right, right there. That's a good I point, think that man. that movie is Dead like, even here. it's a callback to like, what made 80s movies so great okay. with this sci-fi twist. I mean, the movie starts and you have Tears for Fears, Head Over Heels coming in. The best school sequence in any movie, period, in my so opinion. It is a great use of Tears for Fears. It's so, true. Yeah. so good and just puts you in this time period. Of course, and Gary I just Jules' think that Mad it, Mad World, too, are, are great. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so two Tears for Fears songs in there, even if one of them isn't performed by Tears for Fears. But... Yeah. Um, I just think that that movie has so many quotable lines. It's one of the most like quotable movies. Of I question all your commitment to Sparkle Motion. I used to just. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Damn, that's a good I, look. I'll, I'll concede. There's a lot of fun things in it. I mean, it I me still out. have on my whiteboard 28 days, six hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. That is when the world will end. And you keep smashing your head into the mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just take a knife and just stab my eye out in the mirror. Well, all right. In terms of performance, though. Is, He's a little cringy. Is really <laughs> is really is Donnie Darko really good for Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, or is it more for the overall vibe of that, like weird time travel? Shit? Well, I think that he works in it because, like I said earlier, that he is a master of like understated acting, and I yeah. think that that movie is all about like you look at like his performance. You don't have to be told that he's on that he's heavily medicated. You can tell mm -hmm. that by his performance and that he is so flat faced. But it's not in a bad acting sort of way. He is choosing to make that choice, and the fact that he did that young, such a young age yeah. too, yeah. Uh, just really shows his one range. movie that I was I was really trying to watch before this pod, but I didn't get a chance to. Was Brokeback Mountain? I you know I've never seen Brokeback yeah, Mountain because either. I I've heard so many incredible things about both him and Heath Ledger in that film. It was nominated for Best Picture. I think they were both nominated for yeah. acting. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'll, ch I'll look it up. I but believe so. I really wanted to check it out, but I, I didn't get a chance to. The one that I did check out last night is Zodiac. Zodiac. Um, oh, I, yes. Was that your so first time? Good. I had seen it. it. It was on cable a lot when I was younger. And I there, mean, was, yeah. there were many, many sequences that I remember. Zodiac is also fucking gorgeous yeah oh it's that's one of the prettiest it's, movies it's zodiac ever at his most precise and meticulous zodiac like. at his most precise <laughs> it's uh, i would yeah. agree i would agree he was <laughs> david fincher is the zodiac killer <laughs> oh my god it, it all makes it sense. all makes not sense. ted cruz uh but yeah i mean that movie is great but like ruffalo kind of takes over in the oh, middle portion dude. so it starts out with with Hall, and then you have this huge middle chunk that's like all ruffalo all the time and then you go back to Hall at the end and then you have uh, RDJ in there for and almost no reason. If well, anything, RDJ is a little wasted in that movie. I think. Yeah. Or he's, maybe he's, just he's is what he is. third fiddle. Well, he I'm is. Yeah. He literally is wasted. That's you know, it's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> it's, so it was yeah. part of his whole thing. It is a bit long. 
It is very long. long. It's long, but I think that, that it has to be long. That movie also made my list because Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of the central crux of that movie, and that he is the one who's deciphering the code. He's and obsessed. Like he is the one who becomes so obsessed and tries to like contact the Zodiac killer directly and the everything. Fear else, he so. experiences in that basement is like oh all time greatest. It's so good. Actors. So so. Good. It's so yeah. well done. Because also just... think about that dude. Like it's funny. Like this is obviously when you're talking about acting, he's pretending. But like really think about it. like he's literally in a set like nothing bad is happening to him and he's fucking petrified in that scene um well another creeps up perfectly like as he's like this is a bad idea well the man says first that he drew the poster that he thought the other guy drew and and then that's when he slowly starts to realize like oh fuck i'm in zodiac's house right now which you know turns out he's not but that maybe is (laughs) yeah well this kind of leads into the whole discussion we had earlier about if he's better suited as a leading man or as the number two because another movie that i have on my list is prisoners and hugh jackman is really kind yeah. of the star of that movie yeah. i like that movie but he great is movie. great as this cop who's also working he's the one who's working the case for hugh jackman's daughter to find this mm-hmm. this child that's gone yeah. missing i love that movie that's also villeneuve yeah so oh, interesting i just yeah. jake jill yeah. do more stuff with villeneuve and less stuff yeah. with dan yeah. go, go hop on the dune yeah, go, go why not yeah, <laughs> bump, bump timothy chalamet <laughs> hey, hey so hey, similar no 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 no. <laughs> Tell Tim Chalamet you can come get at me. Don't also, bump. Go, you never bump Chalamet. We can't talk about the Dune thing, but how stoked are you guys for the Dune? Thing? Dude, I'm Oof. ready. Oof. Oof. I'm ready. Oof, that Oof. cast. I'm that just cast. now. Javier Bardem. I'm just now halfway through with the book, finally. Oh, no after kidding? like two oh, so years um, reading it. I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Hall is right below what I would call the top tier of actors for Interesting. me. I, I think sometimes he gets a little too much credit. Uh, what he's would a you, daddy. What do you think is like the top tier? What? He's a daddy. Like, like Bale. Uh, yeah, like Leo, and then just like a bunch of old names. That's the thing. There aren't a lot of young guys See, coming up. That and that's are... why I think that Gyllenhaal is kind of in that. I think that he is the best. Gen Xer. He's the yeah. He's the best like under thirty five actor. Is he, is he under thirty five? I think that he's like thir- he's in his like early thirties. Huh. Yeah, that's I fair. Think. But thirty eight. Sometimes, oh, okay. sometimes well, I get really annoyed. He's not. I get he's really trash. I get annoyed when people are amazed by like an enemy when his eye twitched and they're like, "Oh my god!" Art. Like, yeah, that's a character choice. You know, you do it. Every actor's done something like that. Things. <laughs> but he, I he think does... that he has great micro expressions, and I think that that's what kind of comes across most of all in his acting is yeah. that that's why he's so versatile. And that yeah, he can do these transformation things, like he can do Southpaw and then do Nightcrawler and do stuff like that. Like, he can do the whole Christian Bale kind of a thing, but he also has this very... uh, Because I think that part of it lies on the fact that he's been acting since he was a child, since October Sky, since Donnie Darko, that he's been kind of perfected this art over the years, but he is a master of micro-expressions and a master of understated performances. Yeah, he's he's a really good actor. I just think that sometimes uh, very simple things will get him a lot of credit. For example, in... This movie, I don't think any choice he made was like really from left field, except maybe a flip phone. In Velvet Buzzsaw, yeah, yeah. in Velvet Buzzsaw, like he was playing a character who he knows. Don't you feel <laughs> like he knows that guy? Probably yeah. a that and b he that character is that guy. Like the way he acted it was how it was written for the most part. He just is such a good actor that he did a good job with it. I but think it, he definitely elevated. Yeah, it. but it's not like he's just like he 
whole cloth crafted that right. character. He's, he was playing an artsy guy. I'd say it's interesting that you keep talking about how understated he is because if you think about the moments in Gyllenhaal movies that you remember, they're very not under, like like Lou is both understated and then has a screen scene where he screams into a camera and yeah. smashes. Like, yeah. yeah, well that's and it's like there's well, not that's a lot why of people that can hit that kind of exactly like, overacting. Well, that's why he's good. That's why you're yeah. both right is because he can do the little moments and then it takes you by surprise when he blows up. It's like, but, like him and Nick Cage. Cage in, which, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> same. Yeah, these ahead. are two guys who want to listen to Cody. Did we just become yet. best friends? But but Cage goes too far. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck is... And Gyllenhaal's like, ooh, that's pretty good. Cage, <laughs> well, yeah, no, because... Yeah, Cage goes off the rails, and Gyllenhaal, he, whenever he goes out there and goes in on something, it's all believable in the mm-hmm. range of that character, yeah. which I yeah. think that's why you have to give him so, so much props. I want to shout out a movie called Source Code. Has anyone Dude, seen I was going to... No, you took my move. I was going to shout is out that that Sandra Bullock <laughs> movie from the 80s? No. no this is a movie directed by Duncan Jones, yeah. who is the oh. son of David Bowie, who hasn't really made... And he, he made Moon. Moon, which, which is, is a big, oh, wow. big Sam Rockwell. It's a big uh, Reddit movie of like, uh, does anyone else Moon? <laughs> <laughs> also, he made that movie last year on Netflix that was apparently very oh, bad. Oh, Mute? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, since those. then. What he, the fuck he, is happening? He also, made, uh, he also made the Warcraft movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, no kidding. Well, yeah, yeah he's, he's fallen off since Moon. But, but after Source well, Code. Yeah, after Moon. 2011. After Moon, the studio was like, all right, you get a cookie. Here, do whatever you want. And he does Source Code starring Gyllenhaal. Short movie, like ninety minutes, from what I recall. Yeah, uh, and it's it's like a sci-fi version of Groundhog Day, where he's like, he has to relive this day to stop a train Go crash on. from happening, and he's on the train. Mm-hmm. So the premise is super cool. Like the premise is like, yeah, there's a movie in there. Is Sandra Bullock on the um, train. No, there is it's a, there, Michelle Monaghan. It is, yeah, Michelle Monaghan. So the movie I thought was kind of underrated. How yeah, did you feel it about kinda it? It kind of got passed over. Well, I mean, I, I really want to revisit it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not eight years old at this It's time. not great. Like, it's a movie movie. Is it Moon good? I have not seen quite. Moon. What? No, moon, moon? moon, I think, is, is actually good. really great. Sam Rockwell, another guy who can very easily compare to Jake Gyllenhaal, too, where it's like, that guy's been in a lot of stuff. He, he kind of does yeah. zenith overacty, but it was also Gyllenhaal is definitely better than Sam Rockwell. Whoa, shots fired. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, George W. Well, Joan Hall's going to get better work because he can lead without you being like, because Sam Rockwell just doesn't look like a lead. That guy is yeah, racist. So, so, so <laughs> I, I think it's a really solid movie. He He's a lead in it. He, he does, he does the, the romantic side of things. And then he does the action hero well, side of things. And, and I think, yeah. And I think that was kind of the downfall is this premise is so sci-fi heavy. And then he also is like falling in love while, yeah. like while the train blows up every 30 seconds. But it's a very straight, it's a very straight, <laughs> Straightforward film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very self-contained. There's an elevator pitch. You hear it. You're like, yeah. yeah. There's a movie. You see the movie, and you're like, yeah. That delivers on what it said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, there's a place for that. Yeah. Exactly. Also, I think this might actually be my number one source code. No, oh. no, the one I'm about to say. The music video to "Giving Up the Gun" by mm. Vampire Weekend. Ooh, I forgot about that sleeper that hit. Yeah, all right. We got bearded Gyllenhaal in full-on tennis gear, full-on daddy yep. mode. Slow. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm just, I'm getting hard right now just thinking about it. So, it, it, I yeah, he's playing tennis, giving up the gun. Great video, great yeah. album, great yeah. song, yeah. great song. Okay. Any any last thoughts on Gyllenhaal, guys? I what think a he's story stick career. Yeah. I have a feeling that he'll continue acting. Well, he's in <laughs> he's in Far From Home this year as yeah. Mysterio. 
So we'll see how that goes. That's I mean, if he can pull that off, then he's fucking the yeah. best well, of all time. Yeah, and when the answer to leading man versus character actor is he's a good enough actor to stand out as a character actor, but he also has the looks of a leading man, so he can do both. He's It's rare that you can do both. Yeah. Because yeah. usually if you're really attractive, you're not good at anything. Also, from <laughs> the, you, the, did you guys all see the trailer for Far From Home? Yeah. yeah. It really seems like the direction they're going with Mysterio is that... He's actually magical? No, no, no. That Glenn... Uh, Quentin Beck. I was about to say Glenn Beck. <laughs> nope. I want to just talk for a second about uh, this Spider-Man. You know, I got a lot of problems with Spider-Man. That's good too. That's Alex Jones a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was, Alex know. Jones Aren't and J.K. Simmons, guy? the Daily Bugle. The the thing with the thing with Quentin Beck is that he's a, a special effects artist, and it looks like the direction they're going with uh, is that he's like combining. Uh, Thor with Doctor Strange oh, and Iron Man invented a, yeah. through like special effects mm. to make himself look like a superhero. Which wouldn't someone do that in that world? That's a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, cool. it seems oh, so like can it could we be put a this cool shit thing. to rest too? Clearly, pre-snap. Pre-snap. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm 120 percent sure. Peter Parker's first line in Infinity War is, "We just got back from Europe." It would be too morose if I it don't was think post, it's we got back from Europe. We got back from a trip. He like yeah. literally swings out of the school bus. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right because I, would, I, I think would we're going to find out that. why Peter Parker has the stones to jump on a spaceship in <laughs> Far From Home, where well, he literally is transported far from home, and then Kevin Feige is going to tear out of the screen and go, "Where's that? Oh, what did, what did, did you see? Did you see? What we, yeah, we you got, get it? We got you. <laughs> That's right, bitch. Come All on. right, guys, let's wrap it up. Um, you can find We Bought a Mic on social media at uh, We Bought a Mic and follow us and email us at We Bought a Mic gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of. Jake Gyllenhaal's naked ass. Only that. Don't there's talk. Only, don't no, talk. There's to only us one opinion we'll song. accept. Yeah, <laughs> like if you send it to us. Yeah. There's only one answer to this. It's mm. awesome. Mm. It's it's worth. What do you guys want to plug? Come on. Well, nothing. All right. I'm well, just well I'm just gonna say thanks for having me. It's, it's good. Been a I will. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna plug myself a little bit. I oh, wrote an article. Yeah. And I made mm. a website. Um, you can check it out. Huntmobley.com. I did wrote a whole little piece about the fall of a star is born and kind of this new wave of green book and Bohemian Rhapsody that have taken over it and kind of what that means for a star is born chances, what that means for society as a whole. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Huntmobbly.com. Just go over there to the yeah. news and uh, check it out. I'm going to be doing some more Oscar stuff. It might be, this article might be the swing that Bradley Cooper needs right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to kind <laughs> of, I'm trying to put him out hard if he doesn't get something. Maybe. I don't know. Into the -la 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 -la. Maybe yep. it's time to let the old ways die. I think so. I think um, so. I'm on Twitter, Drew, D-I-E-T-Z-E-N, uh, super viral on the daily. So, you know, I'm already in your feed, but I'd appreciate the follow. You're saying you're the new fuck Jerry in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to fill that gap. Yeah, but it's all OC. It's all my own shit. Yeah. Um, and it's all, like, definitely worse. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm also on Letterboxd. I've been posting a little more on there. Uh, I love Letterboxd. I wish more people would use it. Um so yeah, I'm at Drew D on Letterboxd. I snagged that one. Greg, what do you want to plug? Uh, you, you can uh, follow me on Reddit. I'm uh, you Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> you I did you did the AMA? Man, you haven't been very active lately. I know. I, I've kind of been taking a step out of the spotlight. Yeah. Getting you, back your to silence is deafening. I gotta say, <laughs> we, need you, we need you back, man. Uh, you know, uh, we'll oh. look into that. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything to plug. If you want a garden, I can build one for you. Uh, <laughs> fleet, fleet farming uh, forward slash edible landscapes. We get a lot of gardeners. Uh, we the won't. Views we won't I've go. expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of fleet farming. <laughs> we won't go to India. We won't or go to India, Australia or anywhere outside of Metro Orlando. <laughs> yeah. uh, Unfortunately, I'm on Twitter too. I guess uh, I, I'm. I, I think I'm G Noonan. G Noonan. I'm either G and Slaughter or G Noonan. Are you on um, Letterboxd? I was, I was. It's funny that you guys are all on that. I was on it, and none of my friends were on it, and so, so I stopped doing okay. it. Well, it's back. Oh, it's all right. Well, yeah, maybe back, back, baby. I liked it because it made me watch movies uh, deliberately. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, well, I'm gonna have to have something to say to the three people that follow yeah. me. It's <laughs> almost like gamifying movie watching. A it is bit. in a lot of ways. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, I quite like it. Uh, I mean, I I watched six movies this week, and yeah. I have them all in my letterbox. Like looking back in my week, I'm like, damn, I saw. I saw Reservoir Dogs. It, it's good, too, because you get to see the gaps. You're like, well, I've seen all of this guy's movies, but this one. I should watch that one. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of track. Yeah. Like I that. had to make my watch list, like, to a watch list private because I, I was getting flamed by Colin, and it, I, I deserved it, too. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> You've never seen The Godfather? I haven't seen God The Godfather. damn it. <laughs> I did not like The Godfather. All right. That's my JFK Peter Griffin impression. <laughs> and I'm at Calderonist on Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. So follow me on there. Stay tuned for next week. We are getting into February. So we're celebrating the Lego movie and How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> if you thought he was about to say Black <laughs> History Month. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did think that's where that was. And, well, I mean, way. we are doing a special piece on Black History Month, but it's going to be put it into our discussion on Shrek, Shrek versus Shrek yeah. 2. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So we got yeah. we got a lot of goodies coming at you. We got Lego Movie 2 next week, then Shrek versus Shrek 2 showdown review. We're going to finally settle it which is the better film. Yeah. Yeah. Shrek 3. Whoa. No, Shrek the 4th. Uh, Puss in Boots 2, 3D. Oh. oh boy. 2018 is a big year for us. We're going the direct We don't want to have to make our audience watch a movie every I hate to break week. this to you. 2018's over. Shit. <laughs> oh yeah, 19. <laughs> Is it twenty? Uh, is it twenty twenty yet? Um, all right. Well, twenty nineteen is going to be horrible for We Bought a Mike. Uh, we're going to derail. We're going to start to hate each other. Um, it I'm, all starts here. I'm Bad gonna, news, guys. It's already happening. Uh, yeah, I'm going to quit in April and start my own podcast. Ooh. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Greg. Thank we'll, you. we'll have you again soon, I'm sure. Um, thanks for everything. We'll we love just you. Do, we'll have you on just to talk about Coheed for like three hours. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. The Amory okay. Wars. Amory Wars yeah. podcast. Well, the, Volume 2 is coming out, right? Is for that Volume soon? 2. Yeah, and like Pierce's four years. the Broken Fire 7 <laughs> from the Darkness Below 8. And on that note. That's a good guess. Goodbye. Professor studying romances